Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? Welcome to the Relic Grind, Ready Check Radio's Final Fantasy XIV Square Enix podcast. It's Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. That means we're doing the show live. I'm your host, Mike Byrne, as always. And there's, like, no Final Fantasy XIV news today. So, I mean, that segment... What? Yeah, that segment's going to be about that big. Like, that big. So we'll get to some other Square Enix stuff instead if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, do us a favor, if you would, please take a moment. Would uh, be still our hearts if you would uh, deign to subscribe and follow and turn notifications on and tell friends. We are closing in on 400 Twitter followers or Twitch uh, followers. Apologies, Twitch followers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's keep that rolling. Uh, and YouTube subscribers, it all helps produce this type of content. So if you like it, you love it, you want more of it. Click uh, those subscribes and follows. ReadyCheckRadio.com will get you to all the socials. That's R-A-I-D-E-O.com. So since we don't have a lot of Final Fantasy XIV news, that'll be next week, I'm sure. There might be a little news next week, a little bit. Uh, we are going to take the opportunity to do our Final Fantasy trading card game, Opus 13 Legends set review. Now we did 13 when the, or 12 when that came out. Chris Adams joined us, was not able to join us today, so give our, our best to Chris, and we hope to see him in the next uh, set review. So we're going to go through it. Joining me to do so, Mr. Chris Montoya, back from break, a.k.a. Tarkoth. What's up, sir? You uh, having a delicious Butterfinger there, huh? Boy, if that wasn't the grossest bite of a Butterfinger I'd, I've ever watched anybody take... That doesn't look enjoyable. No, I mean, it looked like you were forcing that <laughs> son of a bitch down. Greetings, <laughs> <Ratings> programs. <laughs> like, I'm going to bite know, this. I, I gotta... That really looked like I'm going to bite this for the joke, but I hate Butterfingers. <laughs> I don't know. I had to buy five. I just had a craving to buy five of them for just some reason. Randomly. Yeah. Randomly. You know, we all I, have I that. I missed that joke last. wasn't here for that last week, so... <laughs> We all we we all have that. Welcome back. Good to have you, my friend. Hope you enjoyed your couple of weeks off. And Kronos, I want to say thank you for the greetings program last week. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, yeah no problem. He had to get it in there. Had to get it in there. Mr. Adam Lane, aka Kronos. What's up, sir? I can't believe I'm the only person that probably hasn't purchased Butterfingers, dude. I'm the mount collector. You're the I'm mount sure guy, you're and you haven't uh, done it yet. I. You know, like I get there and like, and then I have to fill out all this information. And I'm like, is it really worth this much effort to spend five dollars on Butterfingers and fill out this long form and then take a picture of my receipts? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if the belt's worth it or not. I mean, the long form was like your name, your address, and your email what? address. It wasn't that long. Yeah, of I, form. I guess. Well, why do I have to give that stuff to Butterfinger? What do they need? I don't know. What do you I think, man? <laughs> they, they you got want... that whole long receipt. I, I did I'm my not trying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get emails from Butterfingers for the next 10 years, okay? Like, I, oh, I don't well. need yeah. that. Here's here's my receipt, and that all it is is six Butterfinger bars to total $6 <laughs> so that it was at least five. And I still haven't gotten my code yet. Did you get yours, Tark? 
I have not yet. Okay. Not yet. Yeah, I went to the site and it was like, we're still verifying your receipt. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what, you really <laughs> think we're passing around the same receipts? Like, all right, Hello. I got mine, Adam. Here you go. Here's your <laughs> Take a picture of oh, it. Oh, man. It was really weird the to crop it, though, because I was like, I am not giving them, like, debit information, even if it's just oh, the yeah. last four digits. No, I'm not, yeah. not doing that. I, but, uh, I actually had to buy seven Butterfingers because I've accidentally used my discount card at my work. <laughs> so that brought my oh, price my down. I was like, I need one more. <laughs> Like anytime I've you buy six of any candy bar, you know the person at the gas station or the grocery store or whatever is just judging the hell out of you. <laughs> I, I've heard the uh, I've heard the play is you buy like the uh, the bags, yeah, right with the, the assorted candy in it. Yep. So you don't have to just buy Butterfingers because Butterfingers suck. Yeah. So you can actually get like the crunch bars and stuff. I don't mind Butterfingers actually, but like yeah, it probably and I saw on there that you could buy the bag of them like Crackle and Nestle, you know, all that different stuff. And I was like, yeah, I should probably buy that. But I, it wasn't me. My wife was out, and I was just like, oh, shit. Uh, hey, on your way home, can you pick me up six Butterfingers? <laughs> oh, you got you got You played it off on her. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. don't ask. It's a Final Fantasy fourteen mount thing. So if you haven't done it, by the way, uh, this is our Final Fantasy fourteen news segment. <laughs> so yep, that's it. if you We're haven't done. done your Butterfingers promotion, it is live. The website is live. You can go ahead and get your Sprout mount in a disgusting chocolate color um i am like one of the only people in my house that actually doesn't mind butterfinger so i had six candy bars that i didn't have to worry about any of my three children stealing so that was nice wow yeah i know but god i don't know if i'm ever gonna eat one again after watching dark eat one damn that looked painful all for the bit all for, all the, bit. for the bit it's all about the comedy all right so here's here's what we're gonna do gentlemen uh, Tark, you're joining us. You didn't last time, but that's you hadn't played yet. So now that you play Final Fantasy TCG, makes a little more sense to have you on here. But we've kind of got all the perspectives covered, right? We've got the you know the the far end of the spectrum, competitive playing with uh, Adam and myself. We've done it for years now, all that type of stuff. And then we've got maybe a newer player in Tarkoth who's been playing for like a month or two. So I think we kind of bring all the perspectives to some of the new cards, whether that be questions, like if Tark, if you have a question on, fine, oh, throw, yeah. throw it out there because somebody may have it, or just your thoughts on you know how this changes things or adds to what you're doing as a new player. Adam, of course, you and I will bring the hardcore veteran aspect to it on how it may shift the meta and things like that in, in various ways. We're going to go through the legends. I did bring, although a few honorable mentions they're not legend rarity but i definitely think they're cards that are worth a little nod uh and a little discussion and if we skipped your favorite hero or favorite rare or common or whatever apologies i don't want this to be nine hours long we're not going through every single card just because we didn't bring it up doesn't mean we think it sucks so <laughs> let's be clear about that one right off the bat all right we got to start we're just going to take them in elemental order gentlemen so first up we've got axstar a four drop fire forward at eight thousand power when axstar enters the field choose one card with x burst in your damage zone you may trigger its x burst effect this effect is put on the stack and at damage three when axstar enters the field you may search for one category ffbe brave xvs character other than card name Axstar, and add it to your hand. 
So four drop 8K, nothing you know terribly special there. But, yeah. Adam, we do get to see, for the first time ever in the game, Ooh, first time a ever. card interact with the damage zone. Not just a count of, you know, if you're on damage two or damage five or damage six or, you know, Cecil breaking a forward of cost equal to or less than the amount of damage, but literally interacting with the specific cards in your damage zone. What'd you think when you saw this one for the first time? Uh, I think it's pretty nutty, honestly. Um, given like how much fire has that symbol, the top right of their cards, um, it, he usually gets his effect off and then having a second effect on top of the fact that his power level is on curve Yep, kind of makes him really, really strong. Um, so you know, I, I've commentated a couple events now for Opus 13, so I've seen this guy quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing um, him, so he, a, a particularly, as you mentioned, like in Fire already, an X-Bursty yep. deck to begin yeah. with, but yeah. usually now in in uh, Fire Lightning, which kind yep. of doubles the, the, the pleasure, doubles the fun uh, with the X-Burst counts because of all the Odins and Ifrits and yeah. just the, the things you start stacking on there. It should be noted, though, for ruling purposes, by the way, uh, the X-Burst, when you pop a damage card and it gives you an X-Burst, that action or ability cannot be responded to. It does its own stack and resolves, and then you can start a new stack outside of that. This works a little differently. Yes, you are choosing an X-Burst that is in your damage zone, but it does not fire as if it were an X-Burst. It goes on, it, they're, they're very specific in the wording here in that this effect is put on the stack to tell you that this is not gotcha. a X-Burst stack. This is a regular stack. So Axstar can choose the card from the damage zone. That ability goes off and can be responded to. But interesting. also interesting on this topic, and I think Adam already knows where I'm going, it is not considered the same ability that the tr card that triggered it normally is considered. So if it's considered, it's not considered an auto ability, for example. It's not considered a summon if it was a five drop Odin that you opted to select here. So although it can be responded to, there's no real meaningful way to cancel the item that is being pulled off of the X-Burst because you can't, you know, use Edward to cancel a summon to negate the effect. You can't break Yishtola in response and cancel the auto ability. Now, you could break Yishtola to cancel Axstar's choosing of that card and get the same cancellation effect. But if you let Axstar choose, Adam, you really don't have a meaningful way of canceling this thing, but you could, in theory, respond to it, unlike when it went off as an X. Yeah, yeah, you have to respond to it in, in like other ways, like you alluded to. Um, you have to like either make like the targets illegal or cancel his auto before he even gets to pick, which kind of makes it a weird. And then like like you said too, when you start combining with other elements too, like you know sometimes that one seven drop Odin win you the game, but now you can do it twice and can get kind of out of control. I, I I think this card's pretty nutty. So he's he's really good. And a four drop 8k on par, but a damage three get nets you back at least two CP, if not a very specific Brave Exvius forward. That's pretty damn good, Tark. Pretty damn good. I like it. I like it. He, it did that 
ability really popped to me. I was like, I don't know all this stuff, but the fact that you can do another expert off your damn that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean, when you start running, we already saw like you know decks that were capitalizing on X bursts to begin with. Sure. But now, when you get a chance to double fire them, oh, and presumably you're running multiple Axstars, and presumably your Axstar is going to get killed at some point, and so you will play another one. I mean, and uh, yeah, you really don't aggressive decks don't make you nervous anymore. Because you probably want to get in five damage on yourself before you really get started on this <laughs> with this type of deck. Yeah, and that's like the one negative to him, right? Yeah. Is um, he's a he's a reactive play. Yep. So if your mm -hmm. opponent can force you to playing to try to be the more proactive player, and you're playing cards like this and other cards that play like him, uh, you're gonna be put in like awkward situations where you're just gonna play this guy for four and do nothing. Yeah, that doesn't feel great. Or you're gonna get but, put in. Um, you're gonna get stacked up against and go from two to fatal. Uh, mm -hmm. all or of that, a sudden, yeah. You know, yeah. Because they know they need to push the edge. Yeah, got to rate it one to ten, right? And in my one to ten here, I'm kind of imagining, gentlemen, not only are our personal likes on whether we would play the card, whether it fits our play styles, but also, you know, how much of take take into effect or into uh, consideration, how much of an impact you think it actually brings to the current meta, the current competitive environment. Uh, I gotta, I gotta put this at probably about an eight. Most of that is its impact on the com competitive environment. It's just not really my personal play style. While I do play around with decks that may be a little expert heavy, and I'm trying to take three or four damage so that the deck can really start getting value, I really don't like the the how reactionary this is. Uh, it simply becomes a four drop that grabs me a card unless I'm willing to literally, in some cases, leave an open board for a while to encourage damage or self-damaging. Uh, and that's just not generally my play style, but it does change the competitive environment in, in my mind when the damage zone is no longer a dead zone uh, against every opponent. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it at about an 8. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I'm thinking it's more of a 9 for me. That's fair. Um just it, it fits like my kind of criteria for what I like. Like I like playing the gentleman's game, right? I like playing backups, and this kind of makes my opponent play that game a little bit because if you're hitting me and you're putting things on the board, now I have things I can do with this card and some other cards in the set. Um, so I kind of like that play style, and I've always liked fire, and I think this dude's just a really strong fire card. So yeah, for me, it's a nine. What about you, Tark? As a as a newer player, what does this bring for you? Uh, I was going to put it at a nine, but really you're, you're explaining how it needs to be used uh, as a reactionary. You got to have something in your damage zone to really get the most out of this. Um, I'm with you. I don't necessarily like that play style. So I'm going to put it at an eight um, with you, Mike. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I mean, eights and nines, nothing to sneeze at. No, nothing to sneeze, sneeze at. Particularly for a fire legend, which if we're being honest... They haven't really been super grand over the past few sets. We've had some, you know, you know, Braska's final Aeon and stuff like that kind of changing the games at their at those times. But Fire leading the way with a uh, whole new a whole new effect, basically. All right, so moving on into Ice, we come up with Faisalis. A five drop nine K forward from 
brave eggs vs. Uh, and when Phyllis uh, <laughs> enters the field or attacks. If your opponent has three cards or less in their hand, select one of the two following uh, actions. If your opponent has no cards in hand, select both of them. Choose one character, dull it, freeze it, and draw a card are the two options. Also has a special uh, for a discard and two ice. Choose one forward, deal at 10k damage. This forward's controller discards one card from their hand. And I gotta say, as far as Legends goes... I think this is the one that, at least initially, I, there's one we're going to get to later that I think is in this same category, so I wouldn't say exclusively by itself. But Faisalus has made basically an impact on any deck that is running ice right now. Uh, whether it was mono ice, whether it's ice X, whether, if you're, even if you're just splashing ice, I'm seeing this in a lot of places because I think it does give ice a few helping hands in some areas where it struggles a little bit, Tark. Uh, again, my experience is not too much. Um, I'm going to reference my Neo X death maths with you. So restricting how much you have on the field, restricting how many cards you have. Awesome. This card is just awesome. I love it. It is uh can be a bit of a pain to deal with. I mean, ice uh, historically, Adam doesn't really have Big, big bodies. It's got a couple nines throughout its history, but big, big bodies. Um, here's another nine. Card draw, which is something that Ice doesn't have a whole ton of, so definitely benefits there. Obviously, Ice has the whole dull and freeze aspect of it, but this particular one is character, not isolated to four words, like you know, some historically well-run Ice cards, Genesis, uh, things like that, that target forwards. This allows you to target backups or even monsters if you need to. And then a special that gets basically any big body that uh, you, you play without some buffs off the board, all in a nice little 5 CP package. Yeah, I, I think this card reads really well. Yeah. Um, it does a lot of things. There's really not any bad text on the card. I think it, the only reason why... I maybe sound like I'm going to be a little bit lower than you guys is ice feels a little weak right now, just from what I've been noticing. Um, again, I don't play as much as I used to, but I still do watch and keep, I kind of keep up with stuff, but um, it just doesn't. And then, so I feel like in ice X decks, when they're having like certain strategies, this still might have like a little bit of trouble finding spots, but it's not like it's a bad card. Like I said, I think every piece of text on it reads well. And obviously like specials get better over time too. Like if they ever print another one of this card it just makes the special stronger. And I mean, that's not really a special to sneeze at. Like, it's going to kill something and then make you discard a card. Um, yeah, I mean, so, it gets rid of your most your opponent's most powerful forward and costs you, at minimum, 2 yep. CP from your hand. If not yep. something important that you were hanging on to. Mm -hmm. By the yeah, way, all then, of our images today are courtesy of ffdex.com. If you play Final Fantasy TCG and you haven't used ffdex.com, please do. Incredible site yep. as far as examining the meta, finding out what's out there if you like net decking or if you like starting with a net deck and doing modifications. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous resource. Uh, free for you to use, but of course, uh, support them via their various donation uh, circles if you have a couple of bucks to throw their way. So shout out to FF Decks. We're using their images today rather than the camera overhead shot just because I wanted to speed today's show up a little bit. 
Uh, I'm going to give this one, I think I'm going to stick at eight for this one too. There, Adam, I, I kind of agree with you. There is zero bad text on here. Um, I, but I do think it adds to any deck that is running ice. The days of mono ice, well, to be fair, the days of mono anything are basically behind us with a few exceptions, but they're more tribal exceptions than elemental exceptions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm going to put it at an eight. I think it's, it's not earth shattering. It doesn't change anything, but it is a solid addition to a deck that is running ice. So I'm going to, I'm going to park it right at an eight. What about you, Tark? Uh, I was going to put it as a nine only because I don't know the full breadth of ice. Um, so That's fair, yeah. The, the card on its own um, just screams to me that this is uh, a central part of this deck and it looks great. Uh, here's where the low score comes in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. guess, <laughs> I'm gonna guess a seven. I'm gonna guess a seven. I'm actually, I'm gonna give it a six. Oh, uh, here's, here's wow. why. Uh, so only reason why, really, I think over time, like as you said, because mono elements aren't really as strong anymore, with the exception of like the tribal decks and maybe like fire. So because all the powerful discard stuff really exists in mono ice and, and, and just having little nitpicky discard effects here and there where you don't really get to pick like Zidane, like Zidane's strong because I get to see your hand, right? And mm -hmm. then tell you what to discard. Whereas this, my opponent gets to pick what they discard. So typically like a, a smarter player is going to hold on to things. They're going to have big hands on top of the fact that you draw two cards every turn. So it's really hard to kind of get certain cards out of your opponent's hand and typically they're going to keep multiple options. But you will get in situations where your opponent's holding on to like one or two cards and getting rid of that card is going to be like backbreak. So and, and this card will still be able to do that. Um, but there's a lot of ice cards that can do that. So I don't know. So I just I just think there are other ice cards that can you, do that. Let me try to talk you from a six to a seven. Because okay, I think okay. I think one thing we haven't really focused on here that might do it though is this is a recurring effect. It's not just sure, one and done sure. on entry. If you can get swinging with Faisalis, you're going to get that effect multiple times, whether it's just a dull freeze, whether it's just a draw, or whether they happen to have mm -hmm. no cards and you're getting both. That is a recurring threat. It is value uh, under, under fire if your opponent mm -hmm. does not get rid of it. And you know what? If you're running in this, this in your deck, you probably don't mind them using a bunch of resources to get rid of this oh, because yeah. this isn't yeah. a win con card. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a weak card at all. I mean, maybe maybe a six is a bit harsh, but but they have cards cards like Soryu, right? And things like that that also have like recurring effects. Um, right, but don't I mean, immediately separate. impact the board either. True, true, true. Yeah, exactly. Like he is a, he is a lot slower for sure. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, it definitely makes sense. It's just, I, I feel like it's more of a knock on ice maybe than the card itself, which is probably unfair. Damn. Um, Poor I, I just feel like, <laughs> I just feel like like this card just in general has gotten weaker. I mean, it, it had its highs. I, I was there. Yes, when, you uh, did. When it, was, when, when it was king of everything. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, it just seems with the power, like the draw power everything else has now, just innately, coupled with the fact that we're already drawing two cards every turn. And then that just seems still like one of ice's identities. It might be something they need to think about. Is all, but it's it's definitely gonna be a card. Like I feel like whenever you build a like deck with ice, like you said, you're probably gonna always look at this card. So some maybe a six is harsh. Maybe maybe a seven's more right. I tried, Tark. I but, tried. 
to get a well, I, seven. And I just keep thinking this plus Neo X death. You, you got to keep stuff in your hand, but then also stuff's just disappearing off your board. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but eleven CP on a lot of things is going to be really yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is a counter argument. Yeah. Next up, we got the Wind Legend to drop four thousand power Shara X burst. When Shara enters the field, choose one card name Ritz in your break zone, add it to your hand. When a category FFTA character other than Shara enters your field, place a Viera counter on Shara and has the action ability dull and remove one Viera counter from Shara and you'll get to choose one category FFTA character. It gains. This character cannot be chosen by your opponent's summons or abilities until the end of turn. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh Adam I or Tark, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to let you go first cuz yeah, I'm just going to let you go sure. first. <laughs> I guess this really you know, depends on the strength of the, the tribe, um not necessarily the element. Um how how strong is FFTA? Uh well, they have a pretty strong package. Yeah, there's a pretty strong package. Uh one package in particular, uh pretty damn strong kind of tore up the early uh, Opus 12 scene when that came out. G got a little weaker later as people started figuring out how to play around it and, and expecting it to be in certain things. But uh, yeah, yeah. When you talk about the Marsh Ritz 5-drop, 3-drop, activate on swings package uh, that was introduced in Opus 12, Shara gets a lot of value in that package and yeah. provides a hell of a lot of protection for ultimately Ritz is, is who you want to keep on the field. Yeah, you, you got a uh, you got a, a tank basically. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna be your your blocker. This is uh, if they're as strong as uh, you're saying. Um, this is gonna add to that and and really give them some shielding to to do their work. Adam, for me, I, I was never a Marsh Ritz player. I kind of didn't enjoy the deck. Um, I'm very. I don't. I'm not huge on one-trick pony decks, and although you can do creative things with Marsh Ritz to support it, it basically still comes down to if somebody if they have answers to your three Ritzes, the game's over, and you're probably gonna lose if they happen to have the answers. Shara definitely makes it harder to play against. Now it's that Ritz in the break zone could go to hand, could go straight to field. You can't. You know, before this, if Ritz hit the break zone, you were like, all right. They've got a, writ, a marsh, or they're going to search a marsh, and I need to be ready to have an answer to Ritz as soon as that hits the field. Now there's some confusion on what do, what do you have to need to do? You need that mist dragon to get rid of the break zone so they can't take it to hand. Are you going to are they going to bring it to field and I can address it there because I don't have the mist dragon? I don't know. Then the protection is a little bit scary. Is a little bit scary. On the the downside, of course, four thousand power not that hard to get rid of if you need to. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much all the stuff he said. Um, again, I, I don't, I don't think this card's bad. Uh, but so I think the the main power of like the the FFTA cards really now, for at least from what I've seen. So like you said, the decks used to be more like we're playing Mars Ritz, like that's our game plan. Yeah. We're gonna get to there, and that's how we're gonna kill you. Whereas I feel like now, when you see Marsh Ritz, which is it's still a thing, it's more like, yeah, we have this deck, but here's six slots, and we're running Marsh Ritz. Yep, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Yeah, with with um, the, with the uh, launch of Opus Thirteen, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I yeah. would agree. Um, yeah, and 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 I, I think you if you can afford to run a couple of these, and and it works with your like what the rest of your deck, I could see that. 
But I think the issue that Shar is going to have is can she fit in those decks? Because, like, you know, 50 cards sounds like a lot, but when you're playing 13 sets worth of cards and you have to narrow it down to 50, it's really hard to do that, mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about Marshritz where we're running three copies of each. That's six cards out the door right there. So anything else that supports that package, now we're putting more into that package. So then it's like, how hard do we go to FFTA? Like, how much makes sense? And I think the harder you go into FFTA, the more sense Shara makes, right? Because she has this extra protection. Um, she gets the extra, like, Vieira counters and stuff. But I think in most decks, she's going to play for free as a 4K, get a Ritz back, and maybe protect her once. Probably is is more, like, what she's going to do, which isn't bad. Uh, so, But I just, I don't think she's ever going to be, like, a three of in, in a lot of, like, competitive decks, which is more where my, my mind kind of goes. Right. So I'm probably not going to be quite as high on her. Or I don't know, maybe you're not quite as high on her either, Mike, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting. Yeah, I'm not I'm not very high on this. One, that just comes from I was never really a Marsh Ritz player to begin with. Uh, the, the deck just kind of annoyed me more than anything, so I certainly wasn't <laughs> going to play it. Like I learned how to play against it. You know, my bag always has a few meta decks in it, even if like, I, don't, I, I can't stand Samurais or playing Samurais. There's a typical samurai build in my deck because I've got to be able to play against it, right? So toss it to Adam yeah. when we're at locals and hey, run this against me type deal. Uh, Marsh Ritz was that for me. I'm gonna score Shara at a five. Uh, I don't think it really warps the meta in any meaningful way. I, does it add to FFTA? Yeah, it does. Does it add at a three of in a deck? Probably not. Um, does it get you some stuff? Yeah, but honestly, I could think of if I were going to, and there is one deck I've been messing with that, to your point, Adam, has six FFTA slots in it, three Marsh, mm-hmm. three Ritz. Uh, this has no home in that. And honestly, even if I was going to do a Marsh Ritz deck, there would be other things that I would probably consider over Shara. It is nice that you basically get it for free, right? Discard a Ritz, play Shara, take the Ritz back, if in the worst case scenario, right? Um, but I just feel like Yishtola is is going to provide me a little more value while still per- protecting the piece that I would probably use the Viera counter to protect. Unsaganashi, you know, and they have the flexibility to be thrown on anybody, not a specific FFTA character. To that point, same point though, a character does give you the ability to protect backups, which is an unusual ability right now for a forward to have. So I don't think it's totally useless, but I'm gonna put it at a five for me, Tark. Sounds fair with everything you said. Uh, And again, I'm not very familiar with that tribe and how it works. but yeah, very dependent on what it's got going on. Um, yeah, five sounds fair. Adam? Yeah, I'm right there with you with a five. And then just to add on to what you said, too, um, with Yastola, and those those cards are instant, right? Like, yeah. you can play them and use them. Shara has to wait a turn, typically, um, unless you have a way to give her haste before she dies, So because she has to dull. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think she only really works in, like, really dedicated Firewind FFTA, and I don't know how good that's going to be. But something to look forward, you know, like anytime they print more FFTA stuff, you always have to come back to this card. So, yeah, when you get the care, the category on anything, it always will just get better. It may not be great yeah. right now, but it's always just going to get better. Moving on, now we have the Earth Legend, and that would be Leo. 
Hold on one second. I get where's my ah? Couldn't remember where the hell my other shot was here. Uh, one drop Earth Legend forward, three K power. Uh, when Leo enters the field, place one Kingdom counter on Leo for each category FFCC. That's Crystal Chronicles character you control. For one CP and dulling Leo, you can remove X kingdom counters from Leo and choose one forward other than card name Leo, light, or dark in your break zone. If the cost is X, play it onto the field. You can only use this ability during your turn and only once per turn. That's a lot of text. A lot of text for a one drop three CP forward. So obviously removal way easy on Mr. Leo, on Mr. Leo. Yeah. But if you could start stacking those counters, uh, I'm going to let you go first on this one, Adam. I'm just simply going to say I have played with Leo in multiple decks over the last month since, you know, we've been able to play on Octagon, but the cards just came out last week physically here. Mm -hmm. But I have two decks that I am running Leo in right now. So I might have a bit of a favorable view on this one. It sounds like I might bring your view down a little bit, so <laughs> that's fine. Um, I I think this I said card I might. is I might. <laughs> I think this card is very is fun. I think it does a lot of cool things. Um, it does. I think it's. I think that it there's just a lot of ways to mess with him, and 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 on top of that, he's a little slow, um, which is weird because he costs one. But like costing one kind of makes it a little awkward when you're playing in slower decks. You have to have like the backup down to play him out efficiently, and, and then you have to get him counters to get him going. And then you want to revive certain things. Um, so it's and and he's really easy to kill. Like if he ever gets to a certain point. Um, but I mean, again, like if if you let him go, he's gonna do something really disgusting. Oh yeah. Uh, and and the decks that play him are gonna play him because they want to do something really stupid, right? They want to like use him to play something from their break zone. Uh, but he does have some limitations, right? Like, he can't get light or dark cards. Kind of weird, but that's fine. I think a lot of cards like this always read like that. For some reason, they just don't like people doing stuff with light or dark cards because they're just kind of innately more powerful for their cost. Right, because, well, and because of the limitation for play, you know, they, also true. Yeah, they you, make you them get a weird, little like... stronger than normal. Yep, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a cool card. I just think from a competitive standpoint, I think he's going to struggle a bit just because I think you have to devote some stuff to him. It's You could slide him into some really greedy decks maybe and kind of make people deal with a 1CP that they might not want to deal with to try to revive some big guys, which I could see as, as being interesting. But again, it just comes back to that, like, there's 50 deck slots. Do I want to run this guy as part of the 50? Like, is he strong enough? Because, like, he... He needs other a lot of other cards around him to really work, and he needs like more powerful stuff that's like in the break zone to function and to be a threat. Um, so for that, I'm kind of a bit lower on him, but I think he's a fun card, like really cool design, and the art's pretty cool too. Oh, the art for this entire series, like Leo and Chime and and uh, Pavlov, the when they do the card King of Hearts stuff, it's been tremendous. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you think, Tark? <laughs> He was a little confusing to me, but um, like Axtar, um, you really need to get into the game. You need to have a developed board for this. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on him. Um, he is low cost, but he's just like 3,000. That's like, you sneeze at him and he goes away. Um, 
So he's easy to seems to be easy to take care of if he comes out. Um, but you got to really make sure you get rid of him because if you don't and you have a fully developed board, yeah, you could you could run into some problems if you don't take care of him right away. All right, so let me let me sell let me sell you gentlemen on Leo a little. Uh, Leo is an Earth card, so I tried him out first in Earthwind, which I think was the obvious choice, right? Yeah, or the Norstal and Crystal Chronicles backup line, running it into uh, to Lael for from the Earth and fixing your colors, and then you've got the multiple wind ones, and you're probably running Althea in that deck and stuff like that. Um. I'm going to tell you that basically every time I played Leo, he came out for four, if not five. Like, with four counters on him, if not mm -hmm. a fifth one, right? Because he does count himself. Um, right. So, uh, I never ran him out and let the counters build up uh, later. It was, you know, it was, he, I never got two, right? I was always getting four and five, and I never felt like I was waiting to play Leo, the Crystal Chronicles backup engine is so fast that I never once felt like I was stuck holding Leo waiting for more Crystal Chronicles characters. It was just, okay, there we go. Boom, four counters. Boom, five counters. And I'll tell you what. Yeah, it kind of sucks. If you're running him in that, you pro like a Wind Earth, you probably aren't giving him haste in any meaningful or efficient way. Um, so, yes, I was waiting a turn. But there is nothing, nothing in this world that felt better than spending one and forcing you to spend three or more to get that out of there. I mean, that just feels good. Because whatever I put down in that same turn with Leo is totally 100% safe. It doesn't matter what the fuck I put out on the board with Leo. Yeah. Whatever I put out on the board on that turn is going to survive till the next turn because Leo immediately becomes number one, particularly if you want to get really splashy and go ahead and put something like White Tiger Nimbus into that Earth Wind deck just to grab it off of Leo and throw it in. And that only takes three CP, by the way. So I have had a blast with this card. Yes, it's gimmicky. I agree with you, Adam, that I don't know how much competitive play it will see, but I do believe it will see some. And it feels really good knowing that, Adam, you just had to spend five to get rid of this damn thing because that's all you happened to have was the five-drop Odin at full cost in your hand to get rid of my one CP forward. And oh, by the way, I also put down a three-drop or a four-drop behind it that's going to poke you this turn now. Um and if you don't have the answer, pound town, right, well, baby. You're in, you're yeah. in a lot of trouble <laughs> right off the bat, right off the bat. I'm going to give this one a seven. I, a lot of that is personal flavor score. I like what this does. I like its effect, and not just in Wind Earth. That's just one example. Um, but I got to dock it the three points off of 10 knowing that yeah, he's a little gimmicky. He's a little combo-y, uh, and so he's not going to see a ton of play or be meta-shifting, but I definitely, all seven for my love of Leo. I love this card. Love this card. What you got, Adam? Yeah, I'm going to go with a five. Uh, oh, just because, again, I'm coming 
I'm I'm, I'm coming more from like just the straight competitive aspect. That's and fair. I, yeah, that's fair. Well, 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 well. I think you can make a deck that is competitive with Leo in it. I it's, think it's he's not competitive just... because Leo's in right. It. No, no, right, yeah, right, right, exactly. And and he does like I, I think like you said you said it perfectly when you said like nothing feels better than like doing what he does, which I think is a cool design card. And if like you're that's what you want to do and you want to focus on that and have fun off it, I think you could totally do that. And I think that's what this card is more meant to do. There's a lot of legends like that. Yeah. Um, it's just from a competitive standpoint, I don't think he's really making some deck stronger by existing i think he just like you can slot him in and do some fun things uh but you could probably put a lot of card three cards or two cards there medic saying looks nice foiled out it absolutely does yeah Yeah. it looks it looks great the art on it is awesome what you got tark what's your score you you swayed me i was gonna give him a five as well but you swayed me um i'm gonna give him a six Oh um, yeah! And, and now I kind of I got you one extra back. point, Leo. I got your back. I got you. I, I kind of want to build a FFCC deck uh, just to to play with. Oh, it's really see, easy. See it's really easy. The backup line is busted. The yeah. backup line's busted. Yeah, the backup I'm not gonna even like totally try to broken. debate that. It's totally yeah. broken. Sixteen cards are locked in. You just need to find yeah. what other thirty-four you want to use. <laughs> you just you just figure out what colors are in. One of them has to be wind. You pick Norstala, then you put the other FFCC backups yep. of those colors in. Yep. And you're good. Yeah. Word. It's it's a little broken. A little bit broken. Um let's see here. We've got uh oh, yeah. Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of you. Lightning. You know me. I love lightning. I love lightning. Let's see if I love this card, though. We'll see. Uh, we've got Behemoth K, 5-drop, 9,000 power, lightning forward. When Behemoth K is chosen by a, a forward's abilities, break that forward. When Behemoth K attacks, Behemoth K gains 2,000 power until the end of turn and uh, deals one point of damage to your opponent. And at damage 5, Behemoth K gains haste. And when he's blocked, deal one point of damage to your opponent. Well, initial thoughts, Tark. You got this like shit-eating grin on your face. What do you? <laughs> he's just a big beastie boy. He's the... he's gonna hurt no matter which way you 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 slide him. Uh, you don't do anything. You're gonna take a point of damage. You <laughs> damage five. You're gonna block him. Yeah, you know, you'll still. T- Take a point of damage plus the point oh. of damage uh, on top. Just, yeah, exactly. Oh, you got to figure damage. out <laughs> how do I want? Do I want to take one or take two? Is basically yeah. what you're figuring out when Behemoth uh-huh. swings. Yeah, and then when he's at five, it's like, okay, do I? Okay, just either way, I'm going to take two when you're at damage five. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a big beefy boy. Uh, I mean, three thousand, not two thousand. What did I say? Two thousand. You did say two thousand. Oh, okay, yeah, it's three. It's three thousand. It's three thousand. Yeah, it's lucky I have chat here just to sit around <laughs> and find my faults. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so five drop nine k in lightning. I was immediately a fan of. You know, mm. we, we don't have very many of them. We've got a couple, but we don't have very many of them. Uh, so I was immediately a fan of. Uh, this is the card. <laughs> Can I just say something about pre-releases? And Adam, I don't know if you agree here. Tark, you haven't been to one yet, but 
I think I know where you're going, but continue. Uh, I <laughs> hate the fact that like most sets have one absolutely busted ass pre-release card. Um, that if you get it in your pre-release kit, it's you make a deck of 40 cards minimum, you hard mull to get that card, and if you put it out 90% of the time, you're going to win. Uh, we saw that with Feel Thanos a few sets back. We saw that with Neo Eggs Death in the last set. Behemoth K was that card in 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 this pre-release set. I got my ass handed to me hard uh, in pre-release uh, this past weekend by my son, by the way. By my son. Uh, I I He was dealing some damage on me. I start to turn the board. I'm in a good spot. Behemoth K comes down. I'm dead. I mean, I'm just, I'm dead. To, you mm -hmm. know, I, I've got removal for him, but it cost me the four words because that's, you know, I was running. I had Jake in my hand and, okay, I'm going to hit him for Jake. It's Arden and Opus 8. Yeah, Medic, that's another one. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, they're not all as bad as Neo Eggs Death, right? Or Feel Thanos, who immediately get banned in title and, and limited formats almost <laughs> the day after pre release is over. Uh, but he was still pretty bad. At, at least you could deal with him. But it was never clean, and if you if you got him on the board, it was pretty much a guaranteed win. Uh, I don't like how that seems to be a trend every set. There there seems to be one. Yeah, he. I mean, I can read him. I, I haven't played uh, limited in a while, and and pre release is like also the worst limited because of just how yeah. much more limited you are. Yep. Um. But a good limited set kind of has answers to everything. The thing is, is like this guy, just the first line of text already cuts off half the answers he has, right? Yeah, and I there mean, are answers in off. this set. Like I said, it's not yeah. quite as bad as Feel Thanos, right? Yeah. We basically had no answers in that pre-release. In this one, you do have, you know, five drop Odin is in this set. That that will nuke him nicely. You do have forwards like Jake, which was, you know, how he was going to remove him until he got buffed in response. <laughs> I was like, fuck me, I'm dead. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my son was like, good game. I was like, no, it's not. I went and smoked. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I also think like I'm a mono lightning guy or a lightning earth guy more recently because monos kind of suck. Um, as much as I thought I would like this card and I do like it. I don't know if it's one I'd run all that often. Uh, it's definitely powerful and if you have somebody on five and they don't know you're running this in if you have them on five damage and they don't know you run this in your deck i mean it's an instant game winner if you can slap it down and give it haste if, through some other method if you're if you're not at five damage yourself because now they just have no choice you know he's going to swing and do damage and then i'm well i have to block which does the seventh point of damage to me in Lightning Wind, I was messing around with dropping Chalinka, the backup, on this one <laughs> to go ahead and, and let it attack a second time. <laughs> so now it could ultimately, in in some cases, do four damage <laughs> on a turn if you were at damage five, which is disgusting. I think there's room for fun here, but ultimately I do think it's 100% it's gimmick. That's not to say it's not going to surprise some people and will be in competitive decks than, that win, but I think it's more for that than just like we talked about the last card. Not, It's not winning because Behemoth's in the deck, but it could win with Behemoth in the deck. I, that said, 
I am messing with a deck that is fully committed to the double attackers. Uh, and he's performing well in there. No, I'm not going to lose the glasses on a show where I have to see the cards. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Adam? Uh, yeah, I think this card is extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, for, for a lot of the things that you said, um, he doesn't really need any other card to be paired with him to work. He just works by himself. And when he's at damage five, he works more. Yep. Um, the other thing that you kind of alluded to, but you did flat out say it. So now, whenever you see purple cards across the board, you have to almost assume this guy's in the list. True. Yeah. Or else true. you might just die. Yeah. Um, they might not be playing him. You don't even know. You know, like they might run zero. Uh, but you know, if they're at damage five, which it seems to be where a lot of lightning decks want to want to be at this point, there's other cards that do it too. Um. Yeah, you're usually running Kujas and stuff like that to to pop right. the damage on yourself because they happen to deal with other cards we're gonna nicely that we're gonna talk about in a minute. Right. So so like he just kind of lines up with like everything they're already trying to do, and then again like just the threat of him, just the fact that he exists affects gameplay. Yep. Um, like he doesn't even have to be in either deck because you know again you're playing someone in a tournament. You don't have their list unless like you've already made top cut and lists have been like put out there and you know what you're playing around. Yep. You know, if you run into a lightning deck, Swiss round two, Swiss round three, or whatever, you have to just assume that like this guy's in there in some shape or form. You don't know if it's one, you don't know if it's two, three. Um and, and he's just I mean, he he's one he reads like one of the better finishers in the game, just in general. Yeah. Um you have to deal with them immediately, especially if they're on damage five, you have to deal with them immediately. <laughs> Like, or else it's just going to get bad. And if it's a close game, like, you you might just be dead. So, yeah. yeah, I think he's absurdly powerful. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's not really... Uh, to me, like, my kind of style of play, he's not really an exciting card. He's not really doing anything that interesting to me. But he is, like, an aggressive player's, like, wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just slam him down and it's like, deal with that. I, uh, I got to give it a 10. Um, one, I'm a lightning guy. Two, I do like aggression, and although he isn't my favorite card, I he's he's in my color and he fits my play style. Even though he wouldn't be in every lightning deck that I run, and I do think it doesn't warp the meta, but it makes you if you're aware of the meta. I think you, like you said, you always have to prep for the possibility, uh, and I think that hits all the marks. It's not my favorite card, but I give it a ten. Tark. I'm uh, gonna give him a 9.5. Um, the only reason um, is what Kronos just said. He's not flashy. Um, he is just a big beefy boy. He is a hammer, and he will he put you down. He will put the nail in your coffin. <laughs> so, um, 9.5. He's just a big brick. He's a big boy. Adam. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with 10 too. I think basically everything you said, Mike, is is pretty much why I give him a 10. Also, it's just good. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, it, good. it's just good. And sometimes that's all you got to be, right? Next up, Legend Backup Ovelia. Three-drop water backup. The water backup. I like this card. I like this card, gentlemen. Mm. Just, just warning you right now, I like this one. Oh, you're going to be mad at me. Uh, <laughs> we drop water back up when a category FFT forward you control is put from the field into the break zone draw a card this effect will only trigger once per turn 
As a special for a discard and dull, choose a forward you control until the end of the turn. It gains haste. And when this forward is put from the field into the break zone, play this forward from the break zone onto the field. Dull. So a little bit of uh, self-recursion for the forward at that point. Tark, uh, I, I don't mean to put too fine a point on it, but as a newer player, I'm going to ask you to go first on this one uh, simply because I think your thoughts will be much briefer than Adam and mine. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, yeah, that's really all I got for it. You know, you get to draw cards. That's nice. Um, Adam White. Can't special all too much, but I mean... All right. Solid. All right. It's Adam, solid. why do you hate this card? So uh, I think it, it, it has a uh, classic name issue. Um, I mm. think the original Avelia, mainly just for the fact that she costs two and is also named Avelia, uh, ends up being the better card, in my opinion. Not that this card doesn't do anything that's like kind of cool and strong. I guess if you're if you're like really like all in into FFT. Um, this card makes more sense, right? But even, even still, it might not because the all the FFT guys are pretty much knights. So you might want the extra 1k that the other 2CP Abelia gives you. Um, but I kind of look at this card from what I've seen people playing, and uh, a lot of times it's getting paired with the new Agrius, which yeah. is a really strong card. Um, but I just think the 2CP does more for that Agrius than this one does too. Granted, this special can can win you a game, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the card draw is always nice uh, because, you know, if you lose an Agrius and then you draw a card and play another Agrius, that feels pretty good. Um, I just think the three makes it a bit awkward, more awkward to play, especially when you have, like, all these searchers that are searching princesses. You have, like, the princess searcher. I've seen it too many times where you play, like, the 4CP to search. You either get, like, the 1CP Sarah or you get you get the 2CP of Ellie, and it's just clean. It's more clean to get those two cards than it is to get this card. And then I have to discard another card to play this card. And then, you know, I, I don't really, I just don't know how many of those decks are really playing enough FFT to take advantage of the first effect. But again, if you're playing like title or like something with a way more FFT cards, I could see how the first effect would be really good. I just think while way more boring, the old card just is cleaner and, and, has more advantages to me. All right, so I can't. I, feel. I don't really have an argument against your efficient efficiency of the play line. Yeah, which I think was the 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 primary argument you were making there is that not only is the two CPs effect maybe valid or maybe not valid, but it's card name of Velia, it's job princess. That's really what the Agrius is looking for, uh, mm -hmm. and some of the other knights and FFT cards are are looking for as well. And yeah, it's very efficient to get a two out after you've just popped a four or put a two out on, on that same turn or the previous turn. Right. Um, however, however, I think this is stronger than the two drop uh, for ultimate long term. Yes, CP efficiency, you are 100% right. I don't have an argument there. The only, I guess, counterpoint I would make is that you are probably going Princess Sarah back up I'm sorry, uh, Sarah back up into Princess Sarah for the next turn um, mm. and then playing Ovelia on subsequent on a subsequent turn. I don't know. I mean, unless I'm feeling like I'm going to go against something super aggressive, 
I don't know if I would ditch that card to play it the turn you're you're talking about there. I'd probably just sock two backups and wait for a belly on the following turn. Oh here's, yeah, here's no, what, I think that might be right. Here's what I no, like ahead, to sorry. do. I uh, I like three of these and one of the two drop. Uh, I actually don't mind having four Avelia in the deck because I do think there is validity to what you're saying. In There are matchups where I might just want the Knights to be 1K bigger, right? If I'm running into a beefy Earth Body uh, deck or something like that where that is going to make a difference. So I will run one of the two drop uh, because to me, at worst, it's another special. It's another uh, way for me to pop the special on this one. But 90% of the time, I'm playing this one uh, over that that two drop. So it would be a three of the three drop and one of the two drop in the deck. If I run the two drop at all, by the way. I, I simply prefer this. I think the interactions across the board, for maybe that small difference in efficiency of play line in the early game... I just think the value's too much there. Yes, the Agrius is going to get the payoff of this too, but there are other cards that are going to get the payoff here as well. And being able to draw a card, even if you aren't... I don't even think you need to be that deep down the rabbit hole of FFT to get at least th three card draws in a game. Two to three card draws in a no, game. No, you don't. And that's four to yeah. six CP that I did yeah. nothing to gain except have the ability to threaten this special the entire damn game. Uh, so I'm going to disagree with you. I think the card is better than than you think it is. I think you're going to see it a lot in competitive play. Anything that's that's doing water and is even remotely thinking of running Agrius, I think we'll have this 90% of the time versus the two drop. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. I, I'm this close to giving it a 10, by the way. It's just like this close. Uh, I think the only... Uh, inhibiting factor of me giving it a 10 is that I don't think it's all that meta warping except for the fact that we're going to see a lot of FFT nights for the next few weeks until people get bored with it or people just start beating the hell out of it with other things and people get bored with the the archetype uh, so yeah I'm, I'm going to put it at a 9 out of 10 and yeah Schnell it's yeah of course it's Adam Adam's hosts all the time <laughs> He's he's, yeah, here <laughs> he's here every week on the relic grind talking about Final Fantasy fourteen and whatnot. Yeah, Nick Nick tunes in for FFTCG though. Oh, I, Nick, I understand. No, Nick understand. Uh, Nick plays on um on uh, Octagon with me on on Mondays when we do FFTCG. Oh, yeah. Nick's yeah. Nick's always on Octagon, man. Oh yeah, and he lives there. Yeah. No, I speak very highly of Schnell. Love Schnell. It, and anybody anybody player. in chat, yeah. that is Schnell who we play on one of the people that we consistently see on Octagon. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to give it a nine. Go ahead. Uh, Kronos. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four wow! because I, I just, wow. I, I really think, I really think the other Avelia is better. Um, and I think that because the a other, four. because they're you both rated bags, this below Shara. I, I think it's worse. I really do. Wow. I, I do. I do. I, I think it sets up. So like, I just think two CP backups are like, CP efficiency and being that clean to at least to me, like I think that matters a ton. I would agree if it was value. not a water card. And and also I just I don't even know like how many you want to even run really. And so the, the thing is to really use this S, I'd have to like you said I'm, I'm running at least three, maybe four of Elias. And if I'm if I'm playing the two CP now, I just have three cards in my deck that are just two water CP each. Um, 
I mean, I, again, I I'll eat crow on it, dude. If you want to, if you want to come back a month from now and it's like winning <laughs> tournaments, you can tell me you told me so. I promise you. Um, but like uh, to me, the other Abelia come back is and one be like, the... hey, guess who topped that last one? Yeah, Schnell and I were one too. <laughs> guess what we were both playing? FFT Knights with dude, the three drop Abelia. Eat it. If Nick Schnell is playing water cards, I will eat a crow on stream. Wow. That is definitely not happening. So can, can we uh can we make it a crow in in, in the shape of, of butterfingers that are in, uh... <laughs> But no, I just I think I think it just sets wow. up like I like to play so I know you were saying like you would want to wait to play Avelia, but the reason I think you play all three out, like the second turn, so you search and then you play both. Because then the next turn, you're able to really efficiently play Agrius, which I think is what a lot of people are doing. Right. Um, and it just sets up that play so clean. And I've just seen that happen so many times now just from the little bit that I've commentated events. That play just wrecks people. That new Agrius coming down, doing her effect, and being a 10k is really hard to get rid of. Um, yeah. And then it also, like, if you're playing, like, the old Rams or whatever, like, it it kind of gets the buff of the air. But I think you're mainly just playing her because she's a cheap backup named Avelia that happens to buff. Um, and, and while I do think this S effect can win you a game, like I said, I just, I don't like committing that many cards to a backup. I mean, it depends because backups having sharing the same names just affects way more than like a forward sharing the same name. Wow. I, I mean, I, I knew you were going to score it lower than me. I didn't think you were going to put it below Shara. <laughs> Damn. Tark, yeah. what do you got? I'm just gonna try to, you know, put my arms out and keep you two apart from, you know, throwing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm I'm just not gonna, gonna go like in the middle. Split the difference. Like, yeah, I'll just go six. <laughs> I, I see it's a a, a solid a solid backup. Um, I, I like drawing cards, so that you know enhances that. That's pretty awesome for stuff that's gonna uh, get whacked into the break zone. Um, and then, yeah, the special is nice. Uh, I think it's pretty solid. Wow. I'm the middleman. Four. Four. Sorry, I was Mike. not I was not prepared. I was <laughs> I was not prepared. <sighs> In a future episode of the Relic yeah. Grind, right? Adam will be eating crow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll <laughs> gladly do it, man. If it starts taking down tournaments, Mike could lead the podcast with I told you so. You <laughs> throw it right in my face. D D D D breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up, we hit the light and dark legends, starting with Materia. One CP, two K forward. You may play two uh, or more light characters onto the field. When Materia enters the field, you may pay X. When you do so, search for one light forward of cost X. Play it onto the field. When a light forward other than Materia you control is put from the field into the break zone, draw a card. This effect will only trigger once per turn all right so now we get into the light and dark and obviously at 2 cp this thing in a swift breeze is taken off of your field but uh very very interesting effect here adam what are your initial thoughts looking at it knowing that spiritus right behind it we'll kind of move through these two quickly because spiritus yeah. plays basically the same type of style it's just different from the draw a card effect well we'll get to it in a second yeah, it's it's an interesting card. Um, I think you can do some cool stuff with it. It's just it for like how long I've played competitive. It's the more you the more light and dark cards you end up putting. Like it, it, again, like I go back to like efficiency, right? Like if if I'm gonna go back to like kind of the old days, I guess the old days. 
Uh, like the reason Camel the Knox old I'll days play for was, a game that's three well, years old. It's it's not that old, but you know I I was playing it for you know back when it first started. But yeah, yeah, it's not really it's not really that old. I I, I used air quotes. Um, but the reason you played it was because it was kind of efficient, right? It got a, got yeah. the card out of your deck, and and this kind of does that too, which is nice. But yeah, like you said, you breathe on it, it dies. But it only costs one, and it does play the card onto the field, which is nice. I don't have to like search for it and then pay for it. It's just I don't like putting that many light and dark cards into my deck. And I, I think at this point, with the in like introduction of like dual element cards, I see even less light and dark cards unless they're just like game shattering. Like like if unless you're building a deck around like Neo X Death, then you're playing at turn one and you're like deal with this. Um, but then the problem with that is DOX death even runs into the same problems like old Dark Cards ran to, where like if you don't play them when you want to and you draw them at the wrong time, it feels real bad. Yeah. You don't oh, have a way to get rid of them. I know about um, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you it do. Feel, if, Live on really Octagon, bad. you know about that. <laughs> um, so, so I think Materia is kind of putting you in a rabbit hole I'm not really sure is good right now. But if that strategy ever becomes good and running all these light cards is a good thing, it could be good now. It could just be something I haven't explored. Um, she will be strong. I just don't think it's right now, at least just from what I've seen. And, I, and I've seen some people try some stuff, and it looks cool. Uh, but I just feel like it has too much of a chance to brick for me to be like super high on it. So I kind of take the the thought process on this one of if your win con is a light or dark forward have to be on the board absolutely yep. must be on the board um then both the materia and the spiritus are no-brainers they're absolute no-brainers you know basically the only penalty you're suffering is if you draw materia before you draw your light forward it's going to cost you one extra cp to get that light forward on the board that you wanted because you got to pay for materia first same thing with spiritus there are damn few of those decks where a light or a dark card is the win con or you know what's going to save you. Uh, but in those scenarios, rather limited, awesome. I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer. I also got to say I might be messing with this. Uh, Materia more than Spiritus in a Lightning Earth Rampair deck uh, that's running Regis and Kefka to break three forwards and three drop Maya who gets you some special love when a light uh, character leaves the field as well and Citra so yeah I might be messing with this and we'll see if it's like Christmas land material and goes nowhere um, I do like this I think I will be one of the few playing it <laughs> I don't <laughs> think you're going to see this this or spirit is in too many deck lists competitively unless there is a vital component of that deck that requires the light or dark forward you need to be out on the field. Uh, and yeah, Medic in chat, your Eldnarsh deck, yes, you absolutely run one of these in there. No problem. No problem. Well, not this one, obviously. You would need Spiritus. But, um, oh, no, no, wait, I can't remember. Eldnarsh is dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Eldnarsh, yeah, Eldnarsh dark. dark. So yeah, you would use material, uh, Spiritus. What do you think, Tark? I mean, I know under, as a newer player, this one kind of yeah. might be hard for you to gauge because this is pretty mm -hmm. niche. Uh, it is pretty niche, but, you know, I smashed you with that uh, Neo X Death um, Shikari deck. And this was the Spiritus that I was supposed to be using. 
I had to use that backup one in place because Octagon didn't have it. Um, I'd like Spiritus more than Materia personally um, because I played that deck. Um, yeah, and we're going to show while you're talking, I'm going to show Spiritus here too. We'll kind of just score sure. them both at the same time. Yeah, because they're pretty similar. You know, one one effect is drawing a card, the other's um, smashing a forward. So, um, I, I felt it, it gave you know if you go ahead and you take care of Neo X Death like you like you're supposed to, um, you're going to get punished for it as it leaves. So I, that's why I like Spiritus on that. So, yeah, taking a look at uh, at Spiritus here. Same effect, pay X to go grab a uh, a dark forward. Uh, but when a dark forward other than Spiritus you control is put from the field in the break zone, choose up to one forward, remove it from the game. So instead of card draw, you're you're removing a forward. Could be your own. I mean, it doesn't stipulate that it has to be your opponent's there. Uh, that would be taking niche and making it super, super niche. But yeah. important to point out that it could be done. Uh, going first here, I kind of got to give these ones a five. Uh, I might actually, I see, I might actually rate them below Shara a little bit and put them at a four or 4.5. I think Shara, you know, not being light or dark has an edge up on these. And while I do appreciate how cool these are, yes, I am personally messing with one. That's where it's getting most of these points. Um, there's just so, there's such a slim fit like, mm -hmm. how many times have you seen the Materia and Spiritus backups? You see them once in a blue moon, but normally it's Chaos and Cosmos, right? I think these are going to be kind of the same, except for those oddball decks where Schnell's doing something really stupid and I don't see it coming <laughs> because nobody in their right mind could see it coming. And all of a sudden he plays Spiritus and I'm going to be like, what the hell is he doing? Oh, shit, I'm dead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But besides that, yeah, I'm going to put these at a four. I'll put these at a four. What you got, Tark? And again, Tark, uh, I apologize. I know these two no, are going to be hard for you as a newer player to score. No, I like I wanted to, to use this card in that Neo Exeth uh, Shikari deck. Um, but I just By the way, you're a terrible I'd, person I'd for the old one. learning how to play <laughs> Final Fantasy TCG and then jumping to a Shikari XYZ Neo Exeth. Uh, deck you're just a terrible person in general <laughs> you should be ashamed and you should write letters of apology to your family uh or a letter of apology to you too or oh no i don't mind losing that's fine i don't mind losing. okay well then why am i writing letters because it's you're still a terrible person what just because they don't know what happens on octagon doesn't need yeah, to leave just because i don't mind losing doesn't mean you're not a terrible person uh oh. so what score are you giving it uh i'll give it a five um you're right. It's very niche. You gotta you gotta build the deck around it. Um, you gotta have the piece in place, um, and it's gotta be significant for you to use it. So, I'll give it a five. Adam. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give Materia four because I think she has less options. But I'm gonna give Spiritus a five just because I think if you're really all in on fair. the Ned, the Neo X Death plan, this is kind of like running six Neo X Death, so you have more. Yeah, I have a chance fair. to play him turn one where he's the hardest to deal with, and that's the only reason I give him like a slight point advantage. Otherwise, they're basically the same. So I think that's fair. He knows all about that dealing with that turn one, turn two. Yeah, I mean on well, the light on the, want it. on the light side of things, you know, I'm you know, what you're. It's usually going to be Citra, right? You're usually going to pay three and Citra, drop Citra. 
I think Oracle of Light could be could yeah. do something. Oracle of Light's good. And and Light Wool if you're like playing where lights, but then think about where lights they already have light cards, so it's kinda like yeah, so now that we mention all three of those, by the way, what I'm messing with is Light Zidane. So anyway. Like uh, the old one? Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. starter? Yeah. I see that just sparked oh, an eyebrow back. from you. You were like, oh, wait a minute. That actually you know, might not be the, too uh, bad. There's like so many Zidane's in other colors. Like, no, that's like the one people don't play anymore. So I'd be interested to see yep. what you're doing we'll over see. there. We'll but. see. I mean, it may not work, but we'll see. Uh, it's like only being run as a, it could happen. Uh, he used to be scenario. a boss, man. That, yeah, that car right? used to be real good. Right? Yeah. Used to be a mess. All right. That finishes all of our single element legends. So let's jump into our multi element legends. Starting with our fire wind in Lednar. Good old Lednar. Two, uh, three CP, fire, wind, 8K. When Lednar enters the field, due to your cast, place one fortune counter on Lednar. If a fortune counter is placed on Lednar, Lednar cannot be broken. And has an action ability for discarding two cards. Remove all fortune counters from Lednar. Each player can use this ability. So if I play it on the field, Tark, you can discard two from your hand to have Lednar mm -hmm. remove that counter which now means Lednar yep. can be broken. Uh, yeah, I think anytime you start with a card that can't be broken on the on your forward line, Adam, you're probably in a, a pretty good place card design-wise as uh, being a pretty effective card. Yeah, no, I, I think he... Uh, so I really like the old Lednar. I know a lot of people didn't play him a lot, and he's not like super good or anything, but he was really annoying, and I used to like trying to see how my opponents would deal with him. Uh, and this, I think, tax, is more annoying. Tax Lednar? Uh, yeah, the one you had to pay two whenever yeah, you like yeah, did to make something sure with it them. Broke. You... Yep. Um, but I think this one's just better, right? I mean, oh, it costs yeah. one more CP, but he's like bigger. Yeah. And like, yep, they have to discard two cards, which I think the old one was just like pay two. So you're you're essentially paying four. Mm -hmm. The only I guess big difference is like they can discard light and dark cards to this. Um, sure. Again, I I think uh, I think when you're playing this, you're probably pushing more toward. I mean, I know he doesn't need the tactics advanced stuff, but I think that's probably where you're heading. Because you're like you're trying to like search stuff out and play all those and take advantage of that kind of tribal thing, and I I don't know how good that really is, but I think this is a solid enough card, and and he's over curve right? He costs three, but he's dual element, and he, which is also an advantage because you can discard for each one. Um, so I I think he's just a solid card. I don't think he's doing anything crazy amazing, but he's really hard to deal with, and he's sticky. So I'm gonna tell you one of the things I I like about this. Um... <laughs> We were talking about Leo, and I started a sentence with, nothing feels better <laughs> than when you pop Leo down for one CP and they spend anywhere from three to five to immediately get rid of him. Nothing feels better <laughs> than, to, four CP. <laughs> than to watch your opponent discard two to make sure Lednar gets off the board and you cancel that action ability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty messed up. I like that though. That's that's my play style right there. I love that. I like being annoying. So So they just gave up two cards and you cancel that freaking ability. And it's like, would you like to try again? <laughs> would you like to discard two more? Uh that feels good. This is another one of those cards for me that kind of becomes a lightning rod 
uh, effect. In We were talking about Leo in that way earlier. And Lednar kind of becomes that too, uh, where, well, crap, before I can really effectively deal with anything, I got to deal with that. Or it's just going to block for days. And I, I'm, I'm totally prohibited from attacking at this point until I deal with that, whether it's dulling it, whether it's dull freezing it, whether it's getting rid of the counters and getting it out of there. Like whatever you got to do, you have to deal with this or you're effectively shut off from attacking me. Um, I like cards like that. What I also like about this one is it's not so ridiculous that it's, if you don't have the answer this turn, Adam, you're dead. Yeah, it's not um, behemoth. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, that's not effective game space design for, for me, you know, mentally. Uh, I, I, there's just something to be said for uh, your opponent has a chance, right? It's not if you caught them without a Diabolos in their hand at some point, they're dead. Uh, I like this. This kind of straddles the line for me. Although, could we pretend for could could we stop pretending as uh, Hobby Japan that mul being multi element is the downside of these cards? Like that's their excuse, right? That's yeah, that's their excuse it. for why yeah. they're undercosted and overpowered is because they're multi element. Yeah. And so, you printed Tyro. I mean, <laughs> you yeah. printed Tyro. Yeah. They did. They did print that card. That's true. So let's not pretend that multi element is a downside anymore. I, I do like this card quite a bit. Uh, it's it's not going to fit in any decks I personally play. In a Marsh Wrist Ritz package, it's absolutely infuriating and annoying. Um, I have lost to it uh, on Octagon simply because three turns go by and I still don't have an answer and discarding isn't an effective answer for me to actually be able to do other things uh, and survive. So it can be annoying. Uh I do like running Sid in my lightning backup line that removes counters for dulling. That's uh, pretty sweet <laughs> uh, to way to deal with Lednar. But yeah, uh, not a favorite card of mine. I don't think it warps the meta in any any way. It just is an interesting multi-element card. I'm going to put it at seven. What do you got, Tark? Question about it, actually. Yeah. So when their opponent uses the ability... Mm -hmm. Is that considered your opponent's ability or is it your ability? I'm not sure why you need the uh, the qualifier. Um, Shara with Lednar. Oh, so Shara, Shara is a you have to target with Shara, right? Yeah, or Shara is choose. Yeah, so Lednar doesn't actually choose. Yeah, it just like the, the effect. It just means that the forward cannot be chosen. Yeah. Uh, Lednar's effect doesn't require choosing sure. a forward at all. Okay. You just discard two cards and the the counter is removed. Yeah. Yeah. I see why okay. you're asking now, though. But yeah. uh, Shara's effect doesn't require the selection of a forward. This is me being. A I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lednar's Lednar's effect does not require the selection gotcha. of a forward. No, that's why you're here to ask those yeah. types of newer yeah. player questions for us. You'd be. I bet someone else has asked that same question before. So it's not like. What do you give it? What do you give it? Um, I'll give them us an eight. That would be just super annoying. Just and you gotta remove you, cost of four CP just so that you can actually have the ability to break him. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. even it's not even dead at that point yet. Yeah. Unless presumably you've already pop you know put damage on it in combat or something. Of course, 
But sure. yeah, that's four CP just to have a shot at getting rid of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although Adam yeah, Knight, like, to your point, it does allow you to discard light and dark cards. So I guess if your hand's bricked, you... It's like the only negative, but yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting thing to bring up, I guess, because it doesn't really yeah. say, like, if, if it was like pay four CP, it'd probably be a little bit better, but like, you know... That'd be rough. Tomato, what do you, tomato, what do you give guess, it? What do you give it, Kronos? I, I'm right there with you. I think seven is about where it is. I think it's just the right amount of annoying. It doesn't really feel like too overbearing. <laughs> it's the it's like right meta. amount of annoying. <laughs> no, I, I, I like cards like this. I don't know. I like putting a card down and really making my opponent have to think about how they have to deal with it. Um, and he's this is one of those cards, right? Like there are ways you can do, like you can remove it from the game, right? That gets yeah. around it. Yep. Um, you can dull him, right? I mean, dulling him, he does. Well, what's it going to do? Um, well, so it, you know, I, I yeah, just, there's anything that isn't going to break, right? So if they, if they, your opponent's dumb enough to put it out there alone against a water deck, it deserves to be fanfreded. Uh, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of interesting ways to play around it. It really makes you think. Is is why I like the card more than anything. But I think it's also just good. Next up, uh, we've got the Ice Earth Legend. Mm. Mm, indeed. Mm, indeed. <laughs> Um, White Tiger Lassie Nimbus. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. 3 CP, 9K. Seems good. You can only play uh, pay with CP produced by backups to cast White Tiger Lassie Nimbus, as if that text really fucking mattered. Uh, yeah. Brave. <laughs> <laughs> You like that, Adam? That's pretty good. I like it. If it's it was five, then that it's, would matter. No, it's 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 because he's Earth. It's because he's Earth. It's hilarious to me. But yeah, continue. Yep. <laughs> uh, and when White Tiger Lassie Nimbus enters the field or attacks, choose one character. Character opponent controls. Dull it and freeze it. Dull it and freeze it. Holy balls! Um, yeah. So first off. <laughs> having to use backups to cast a three cost forward that one of the two elements is earth is having that stipulation is laughable is absolutely laughable with uh Shantoto and Tyro and uh Tiro, however you want to pronounce it. I don't care. Tyro. Um, and the fact that <laughs> there are people playing this in decks that aren't running ice and earth anyway, they they just are grabbing it to throw it into the break zone. And they're I would gonna, say for them, yeah. Yeah, they're going to get it in other ways anyway. Yeah. Uh, whether, you know, it's a, a yeah. phoenix, you know, whatever you want to do. For the most part, they're probably not running ice at all. Yeah, not running ice <laughs> at all. At all. Yeah. Uh, so you're not really worried about it. But, uh, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Schnell gives it 22 out of 10. Uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think Nick's wrong. <laughs> no. I, can we just skip straight to scoring and we'll talk about why? Uh, this, I, I think, has yeah. to be a 10 out of 10, uh, only because the meter goes to 10. Uh, yeah. It's cheap. <laughs> it's big. It has an immediate impact on the, the game state. It inherits Brave simply because it's Earth, which just makes it even dumber uh, to, to not be running this in, in anything that is running Earth. And it has that recurring impact every single turn. Go watch... Go watch um, Monday's stream, and you will watch, if you watch the very last game on Monday's stream, uh, you will watch this card 
single-handedly bring me back from 6 nothing and a board state I had no right winning. And just through some creative play lines in and out of my break zone and using this the recurring ability to just keep an Adele down so that it couldn't swing unblockably at me, unblockable at me. I, I yeah. If you don't know by now, you need to play this card. <laughs> ten out of ten. I'm done. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, it's it's a ten. It reads a lot like Behemoth K, I think. Where it's like it's not doing anything super fancy, but like, yeah, it, it's it's coming. It's big and dumb and coming down the board, and you have to kill it. Yep. Uh, I definitely had to read this a couple of times when I first saw it because like like. It's like okay, he does that every time. Oh, it's character, not just forward. Yeah, so Starts it's like freezing he, backups. He, yeah, Climus, yeah, so like uh, one of the locals in in the Pittsburgh crew here. Hey, Climus, thanks for coming by, my friend. Uh, says White Tiger Lissy Yishtola. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. Yeah, he he's he's rough, and like like the fact that he's Earth. Yeah, it makes like his requirement pretty laughable, yeah. right? Like I just play Tiro, two backups. I go get this guy. I play him. And and Tiro yeah. a little bit of a risky endeavor right now. Fenrir's a, a little more right, because of Fenrir because yep, of a card we're going to talk about later that has kind of given Fenrir uh, more validity than Fenrir used mm -hmm. to have. Plus, it's a three drop, so there's a hundred different ways to bring this into the field from the break zone. I yep. mean, I, I, this I think is card mm -hmm. two. If you if you have to rank them, the Legends is the most meta impacting cards. I think this is number two on the list. Yeah, I uh, could probably get behind that. There's sure. one that we're going to yeah. talk about later that I think takes number one. This one I think takes number two. What do you got, Tark? Yeah. Ten. Because he's just good. Just really good. Yeah. Dull and freeze? Oh, just... And characters. You're right. Just backups. It's, it's, it's he whatever. can really... He, like, everybody's playing dual element stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. being able to freeze, dull and freeze a backup matters a lot. Yeah. Because mm. like, like cause oh, I you got really two water and one lightning back there, Adam. Be a shame if something happened to that <laughs> lightning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, enough said. Enough said. Uh, just a powerhouse of a, a legend card and a mere three CP. Next up, we've got the box topper. Right there. Uh, Golbez. Uh, Golbez. 5 CP, 9K, Lightning, Wind, Forward. Uh, X-Burst, when Golbez enters the field, you may search for one card of cost 2 and add it to your hand. And at damage 6, when Golbez enters the field, you may search for up to 3 cards of cost 2 and add them to your hand. Then you may play any number of Job Arc Fiends from your hand onto the field. Uh, and just for those of you that maybe don't have a lot of experience with, with Opus 13 in particular, the Arc Fiends did get reprinted. Uh, I'm sorry, reprinted is a bad word. New versions of the Arc Fiends got printed in this set. So now we have the older set of four and a newer set of four as well. Rubicante and uh, Cagnazzo and Scarmiglione and Barbarissia. Um, so yeah, lots of targets. Oh, and by the way, that search is just anything cost to, so it doesn't even have to be an arc fiend on that. Big body in lightning, so you guys already know I'm in favor of it. Uh, me and my my love for lightning, and it's a big 9k body. It is the box topper promo if you buy a booster box, so it's not going to be hard to get if you're looking for them. Uh, honestly, though, I didn't play old Golbez decks. This card doesn't make me want to play a new Golbez deck. 
or, or a modified Golbez deck, so I don't know if I'm going to score this as high as the two of you will. Uh, that damage six ability is powerful, mm. but you are committed to an Arc Fiend deck to really make it pay off. Yes, you could go a little light on the Arc Fiends and, and still get some value out of it. No doubt, no doubt. But if you want to slam somebody, um, you're probably going to be using the newer Arc Fiends, which, ironically, can search and play Golbez. So it is a dangerous deck. It's just not my flavor of lightning. Uh, so Tark, we'll go to you first. I love Final Fantasy IV, and I love the Arc Fiends. I want to build this deck. I want to make it work. Oh, it'll work. Yeah, you don't you don't have to worry about that. It'll work. Um, but yeah, you are you're committing. It's it's a committal. Yeah, yeah. it's a committal. Mm -hmm. There's no half-assing it, this one if you want it to yeah. really. You're going fall in. You're going all in. Nine K backup searcher. Yeah. Well, because it searches a two drop, a cost, uh, a yep. card of cost two cost. Mm -hmm. uh, a card of cost two. So technically, yes, you could grab a monster, a backup, or a summon. You don't you don't have to be grabbing an arc fiend or anything like that. True. Yeah. Adam, what do you think? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a different a little bit of different direction than y'all are going. Okay. So I, I do think when you read this at face value, you're thinking like arch fiends, right? You're well like, for the damage six, yes. I've seen yeah, it yeah. run in some different creative ways where they don't even care about the six. Yeah, actually, the be the best decks I've seen them in, at least for me so far, don't run Archfiends at all. Actually, yeah. um, they're typically like Sophie decks because lol, Sophie's Earth, and you can play and whatever Lowell you want. Two. Uh, and she costs two, and there's backups that cost two, and Sarah's in that list, and you have a lot of two costs, and you're playing Lena, so that has a lot of like kind of cool things there. And oh yeah, he's an EX burst, so if he flips off the top, guess what? Sophie's in my hand. Um, he does a lot for that deck, and it's just interesting. It's like a, not the first thing you probably think of, but you do have to kind of like go out of your elements a little bit. But the thing is, is like like we said earlier with White Tiger, it's like when you're playing Earth, you almost can play any element you want because yep. you're probably playing Tiro, you're probably playing Shantoto, you probably have other ways to get whatever elements you want. You know, yeah, so and you were seeing uh, uh, Kimari an awful lot now too uh, in the Earth yeah. backup line. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, that's funny because everybody's playing all these multi-element things. So now Kamari basically is is whatever he wants to be, and and yeah. So I just I just think this does a lot more than just for the art. But obviously, like if you're playing Archfiends, right, you're playing like three of the sky, no questions asked. Like oh, yeah. he's going in the deck. Um, but I just think he's an interesting like you could run like one of them or two of them in some decks that just rely heavily on some two CP things that you need. Um, and he can go get you that. And like sometimes he just comes off the top and he gets you that for free. So. Um, I just think he's he's pretty solid strong card for that alone, and and the fact that he's versatile too, like backups and it doesn't matter as long as it costs two. So what do you give it? Um, I'm so I'm somewhere between like seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a seven just because I don't think he just like is like immediately like three of everywhere. But I almost want to give him an eight because I just do think he's strong, and and I mean like worst case he's just at nine k right. That's pretty big. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna say eight. What you got, uh, uh, Tarkov? Eight. I love Golbez. I love the Archfiends. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, make I'm gonna go six. I love them. I love the. I love Final Fantasy four. Yeah, I just. Um, I think it's a good card. I, I I'm giving him the six because he's a good card because it's just not my play style. Just not my mm -hmm. play style, and uh, that's the only reason. That's the only downside that I'm giving it to it. It's just not my play style. This kind of deck bores me. 
Uh, I didn't yeah, like. No, that's totally I didn't fair. like the 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 previous Golbez deck from many opisa, op, opis, opuses, opuses, <laughs> whatever the plural is. Mm-hmm. Uh, opus sets. I you know I have a friend that is all about that deck. Not only do I find it boring to play, I find it particularly boring to play against because it's just okay. Go ahead, break him, break him, break him. <laughs> all right, you broke him. Shantoto swing. Uh, you know it's uh. While this does have a little more versatility than than the previous one, um, yeah, I just find it a little little boring for my tastes. But more power to you if you if you like that uh, that archetype. It's definitely a definitely a good card. Six out of ten. All right, moving on here. We're almost done. Almost done, gentlemen. I thought you were going to say we're skipping the next card. (laughs) (laughs) Is this game breaker? No, we're not skipping the next card. Uh, we got to talk about Sophie. We gotta, we gotta have a little chat about this legend. Two drop Earth Water at four thousand power. For each Earth forward other than Sophie you control, Sophie gains two thousand power. For each Water forward other than Sophie you control, Sophie gains two thousand power. At the end of your turn, if Sophie has ten thousand power or more, draw one card. And Sophie deals your opponent one point of damage. It's like almost like an afterthought. Oh, and by the way, after you draw that card, go ahead and deal, deal your opponent one point of damage. You know, just for being you. Just for being you. <laughs> I also think that we would be remiss if we did not give an honorable mention here to Sarah Mobius, also printed in this set to drop earth water forward at 5k that when Sarah Mobius enters the field you select one of the following actions choose a forward you control and one uh, the opponent controls and they do a punchy punch each forward deals damage equal to its power to the other or you can draw a card uh, so I think we we got to put Sarah Mobius there as a, a bit of a mention with this card yeah. Yeah. Uh, she because, also counts twice, right? Yeah, I was just about to say because you also have that uh, unfortunate yeah, side effect that. of yes, you do. You are correct, uh, Tarkin, in asking that Sarah is an Earth forward, so plus two to Sophie. Sarah is also a Water forward, plus two to Sophie. Sophie, just by having Sarah on the board, goes from four to eight k, and one other Earth or Water forward now puts her at ten for that draw card. Oh, and by the way, go ahead and just deal a point of damage to your opponent because fuck them. Oh. <laughs> Don't Why even not? need to attack. Just... Why not? Just I'm done. You know what? Just do it. Just do it. The old you would have done it, so just do it. <laughs> Obviously, so we had alluded earlier that the one card we put at two, uh, Nimbus, we put at two as far as the meta impacting of the legends. I think mm-hmm. without a doubt... Sophie is currently the number one meta impacting legend. Whether that'll hold throughout the entire set, we'll see because there are cards that are enjoying their time in the limelight right now that do deal with her very easily. You know, Shadow, Four Drop Dark Shadow Lord is a nice way to get rid of any two, not just Sophie. Uh, Two Drop Diabolos, a big one because it kills anything that's had its power increased uh, or decreased. So Sophie is pretty much in a constant state of power increase and a number of ways that we're seeing uh, Zalbog 
in, in Lightning. We're seeing a lot of revival of things that can get rid of twos very cheaply and efficiently. So we'll see how long Sophie impacts the meta. But, oh, by the way, she's fucking job monk. So, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and throw her in a monk deck. That works. By the way, she's a two-drop earth forward. So that five-cost Fenrir summon what do you want to do? Bust your opponent's Tyro so that they're off color and drag Sophie from your break zone back to the field? Seems fucking good. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. I, I, she, that's yeah. it. I mean, 10 out of 10, right? I mean, this, this, <laughs> no. Simply yeah, it's 10 out of 10. the most yeah. meta-defining card in the set so far. In the set so far. So I, rather than espouse all the good... Oh, and by the way, that last bit of text... Happens during end phase, so your opponent can't even respond at that point. If they're gonna do something to Sophie, they've got to do it in main two, uh, which in, which in, creates really stupid loops, right? Because yes. then it's like, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if Tark's aware of that. So like, no, when you go ahead, pass, explain it. Because I was just about to ask, uh, what do you mean by that? So okay, so in FFTCG, if I go to the end of my turn and I attempt to pass, your opponent also has to pass, so both both priority has to go through before yeah. you go to instep and in final fantasy tcg and instep neither player can add to the stack things just happen in order like any of, you know, when they would happen yeah. so basically you don't want sophie to end the turn at 10 right so say i pass to you and then you kill something to make sophie an eight or whatever i can then play another forward to make her a 10 and then pass back to you and now you have to kill something else to prevent her from ending the turn at 10 and then we can just get in this really stupid thing where right because you're not going to go to end stuff. until the priority is passed consecutively twice once by each player so right. by you taking an action after i've passed priority i still have the ability to reclaim my main two at that point because yeah. there was not a pass pass so and it also makes it pretty much impossible to cancel it yep because it's an end step. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I mean you can't even, good. you can't break Yishtola in response to her nope. ability because it's an auto ability. No, there's there's none of that. No none of those shenanigans. None of those shenanigans. Uh so I guess the only question I will ask here, since we don't need to score this one and we can just finish up with the last few cards here. Um one, did Sarah really fucking need to be printed in this set? Uh, <laughs> Jesus. And and two, do you think it is as meta impacting at the end of July when we're a week away from Opus 14? Uh, do you think it's as meta impacting then as it is now, knowing that monks aren't going anywhere right now? That's a strong deck and will be for this entire set. Earth is a strong element across the board, uh, however you want to mix it up. Sophie is seeing play in decks that don't even run water forwards besides having Sarah Mobius in the deck. And conversely, that don't even have earth forwards besides Sarah Mobius in the deck. So I you wouldn't I wouldn't consider Sophie even bound elementally to earth water. Um as long as you're running one of those two, there's a chance Sophie could be in that deck. Uh usually you will also see Sarah Mobius to counterbalance the fact that you're you don't have forwards of one of those two colors. Um is and she's cost two. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's so. I just don't see Sophie outgrowing the meta until at least fourteen, or the meta outgrowing Sophie, I should say, until at least Opus fourteen comes out. Then, of course, new set, new rules. 
I just don't see a way this card all of a sudden disappears or becomes tier two. I think it's always going to be tier one in earth water decks and maybe low tier one in earth X or water X decks. I just don't think there's a way this goes away for the next three months. No, no, I, I, I'm pretty confident that, that I can say no. Uh, so like you brought up the point earlier where you were like, Oh, well, a lot of things could kill her. Right. But because she costs two, a lot of things can bring her back. Yep. And she's always yep. played it Even efficiently. Even Baby well, Phoenix. Not always. Baby Phoenix. Right. Baby Phoenix could. Yeah. Like it, Lena is yeah. a big one, right? Yeah. Um, Lena brings back her and Sarah. So that's cool. Um, and then, oh, by the way, now I have those three on the board. Cool. Take a point of damage and I'll draw myself a card. Um, and that's just a really easy board state to set up. And, and you know, she costs two. Like, again, you ran back to the fact that, like, they're, they're able to print these high power cards because they see the dual element as a drawback. But a lot of players are just going to look at ways to like circumvent that and find ways to like get them in. And, and it's, yeah, I think it's just really, it's too easy to do what she needs to do. And she kind of goes around. She's like one of the, I mean, they're starting to print more things that do alternative points of damage, but this is probably the strongest effect, I think. So, yeah, it, it's I, pretty nutty. I almost wish, uh, this is the, I actually have a little bit of a design space problem with this card. And the fact that that trigger is end phase, um, yeah, I feel like that should be a enter main like two. on attack maybe, yeah, or maybe on attack, yeah, uh, maybe and on you know beginning of main phase two. Uh, I I kind of don't like that that type of effect being in the end step, uh, but it is what it is. Um, no, it's it's a I think it's bad to put it there too. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it amazing? Uh, no, it's bad. I mean, it's amazing ah. if you're playing it. <laughs> it's bad. If you're playing the card, it's amazing. Design-wise, it's bad. Uh, all right, I'm just going to say this one right now, uh, at least for me. Weakest of the legends uh, for me. And unfortunately, that's not because I think the card sucks, but you're a cadet. Uh, you're a cadet. And I have a, a friend in locals that uh, from day one when he started playing, and he and many of you have seen him play on on Octagon, Papa Yanni on Octagon. Um, cadets are his his babies, and so here's nine. <laughs> Climus gives it a Yanis out of ten. That's the guy. <laughs> Yanis is the guy that plays loves cadets. A six-cost lightning fire, 9K. You can dull one active fire cadet forward and one active lightning cadet forward instead of paying the CP to cast nine. So that's cool. Dull two forwards, and you pay nothing for this 9K. When nine enters the field or attacks, choose one forward opponent controls. Until the end of turn, it loses 2,000 power for each job. Class zero cadet you control. That would obviously, be based on that wording, include forwards and backups. So if you are running a cadet's deck, this is a powerful card, no doubt, in mm -hmm. a cadet's deck. Two things. The cadet's deck, even the strongest builds of the cadet's deck, aren't terribly strong when you start looking at a competitive environment. Yeah, you might mop up at some locals here and there or catch a catch a meta deck by surprise or a good draw or whatever, but the consistency factor just isn't there. And two, I can and and Giannis has had this argument with with some the name clash uh of of mm -hmm. nine, it's not 100% clear 
on one nine being better than the other, kind of the same thing you were talking about with Ovelia, Adam. Yeah, doesn't the other nine do something pretty similar to like when he's out? I think doesn't he like doesn't like power reduction on attack or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. honestly remember, but I think that's what it is. Yeah, and um, the the alternate cost here is is more the benefit for for mm-hmm. this particular nine. Although dulling forwards is harder than you think. Like you're really losing a lot when you dull two forwards. So the so, other nine is four blockers. drop that on attack it uh, you choose a f- any forward until the end of turn it gains one thousand power for each cadet forward you control. Um, and then all forwards cannot block this turn is the special. Oh, okay. Is the Got special. It. So argumentatively, it's, you know, is it the best nine even? I don't know. Um, I'm going to score mm. this right away at like a three, only because one, I don't play a cadet's deck. Uh, it's never really interested me. I'm not a huge type Z rogue. I enjoy the game, but it's not like one of my favorites. So I don't have any emotional draw to type zero. And meta-wise, I don't think this impacts the meta in any real meaningful way because it is only useful in a cadet's deck, um, which is just nowhere near a meta deck right now, Tark. So I'm going to give it a two. This is going to be my lowest scored legend. All right, I will give it a, I guess, a a one. I've I've never played with this. I don't know anything about the cadets, um, so I'm just going to take your word on it that they're not strong. Giannis out of 10. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> Adam there was a time when they wreaked havoc it's been a while though but um, I mean yeah I, I I don't really see them making a comeback unless they print some more stuff that's incredibly strong and even if they do I'm not sure if you even play this when that happens so I'm going to go with you Mike I'm, well I think you said a 2 I'll, I'll go 3 but it's down there I think it's also probably they, they really have to bring up the tribe is what you're saying for this to oh, yeah. they, they have things but the problem is they're so spread across like four elements or three elements and so you have to like and then one of them's not earth so <laughs> you know kind of makes it hard but and then like they all like revolve really heavily around just having a ton of crap out and that's pretty hard to do so yeah they can catch you by surprise though they absolutely can oh, yeah. they can win a game you know a well-timed snake bite from uh, seven can can yeah. shut the game down and no doubt. Uh, last up in the legends category, we've got Celestia, the water ice legend, a four drop nine K water characters. You control cannot be broken by opposing summons or abilities that don't deal damage. And when an ice character you control is chosen by your opponent's summons or abilities, uh, choose up to one character, dull it and freeze it. I think we should give an honorable mention here to two drop Charlotte in ice, which basically uh, forces uh, opponent stuff to target Charlotte uh, if able, rather than to target something else. Charlotte happens to be an ice forward and Celestia likes that uh, quite a bit. So I think we should give a little bit of an honorable mention there. Charlotte seeing a lot of play in ice decks right now, even without Celestia. Uh, One thing, uh, Adam, I'm gonna let you go first. Uh, on this one. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I think she's just okay. I think uh, even by herself, because she, like, both her effects affect herself, um, kind of makes her a bit annoying to deal with. Um, she has higher power because she's dual element. So I, I think she's just solid. She's not really doing anything super flashy. I mean, she's just making it a little awkward for your opponent, but not anything crazy, I think. It's kind of how I feel. So I'm kind of just, like, luke- lukewarm, like, mediocre on really? her. I thought you'd I mean, be, I thought you'd be a little higher uh, on this one. 
I think she's a good card. She's just not really doing anything. It's almost like we're when we talked about like Golbez and some other stuff where it's like I think she's good. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. The Golbez stuff excites me more because he's doing stuff with other cards. I feel like when you play this a lot, it's just I don't know. I mean, yeah, you have to think about how you affect certain like do certain things, but I don't know. What Seems do you think? really it's, it just feels kind of boring to me. What do you think, Tark? I was thinking if she it was you know if she was uh, chosen to be blocked or something involving combat in some way that would be more interesting um but since it's just being the target of summons or abilities i'm kind of with you chrono said it's a, a little bit boring um i like that she you know that she gets both the effects off herself that's nice um and that combo i didn't know about that combo that combo sounds pretty nice too but it, it's meh so here's my thing uh i actually like celestia quite a bit and I'm not generally an ice player. Um, we've been messing with some ice decks on Octagon lately, uh, simply to kind of show off some of the the hot new sexy from Opus 13. Um, but I'm not generally an ice or a discard player. It's my least favorite game style. Um, I I am very curious to mess with Celestia, and I'll tell you why. I think she opens up an archetype that we've seen in other TCGs, particularly Magic the Gathering, for a long time, that Final Fantasy has always seemed like it almost could do, but really couldn't. And uh, there's actually two in that category for me. A Taxes deck, which we're getting closer to to being able to do that, but a Prison uh, deck. I think Celestia opens up a very interesting possibility for an ice water prison um, where effectively nothing can be done to any of your forwards in any meaningful way. Uh, and therefore you just sit there and start getting pummeled. When you start looking at things like um, Una, you know, water Una and, and the party attacking abilities there, Rosa with the ability to continuously party attack, activate, party attack, activate, uh, Cecil which then opens up Seador because you're running Rosa. Uh, and depending on what Cecil you're running, because there's a few different ways you could go here. You could go with the old 9K one, and now all of a sudden everything can't take damage from summons at all, uh, all of your forwards, and you just got to find a way to prevent Cecil from having to block it or to attack every turn or block every turn. I don't remember off the top of my head which it is. Uh, he's blocked. I think he has to block. He has to block if he's able to. Yeah, yeah if you could yeah. duck him out of that, then effectively you can't immediately break most forwards because Celestia is saying they have to take damage, but Cecil's saying no, uh, forwards don't take damage. Uh, and now anytime you ping and then you put Charlotte on the board and now I can't do anything but target an ice character uh, if I want to get rid of forwards, but now Celestia is going to dull freeze characters off of that. I think you start creating a, a very interesting prison. How about going with the other Cecil, the one that runs Protect, right? And and take 4K damage off of this forward and put it somewhere else. Put it on a wa or put it on Cecil and take 2,000 less on that. I think it opens up the possibility for a really interesting prison archetype um, that I want to explore with. That said, I can understand that there aren't a lot of people that would really enjoy that play style. And quite honestly. If you sit across from that type of deck, yeah. uh, my God, <laughs> like, 
you know, how much fun is that? It's head, head not an, table. Yeah, Celestia <laughs> and Yuzuki. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Chanel. Uh, 100%. Uh, while it's always been almost there, like you could almost protect a board against anything, Celestia, I think, really expands the ability to to dig into that, and I want to. I'm going to put it at a six and a half, seven. I don't think it's a huge impact to the meta, but I think it opens up interesting possibilities. If this was any other color combination, I would rate it higher. I would rate it higher. Because it's water ice, I think I, I keep it at a seven rather than make it an eight. All right. Poor Faye. I told her we were going to run late. <laughs> yeah, it's been. It's yeah, been we're going to go ahead and skip the other Square Enix news. Um, <laughs> uh, but we do have. A few honorable mentions. They weren't legends. Um, Adam and I sat down and we're like, "We is there anything we should mention?" Like, but not a ton because the show's going to run long uh, anyway. And so there were a few, uh, four to be exact. Uh, so you know exactly how much you're in for here. Uh, four special little cards we wanted to to bring up as being interesting enough for an honorable mention. And the first one goes to Sid Randell in ice. Sid Randell in ice. This little son of a bitch. Uh, four drop, 6K ice forward. Why, why do I keep hitting the wrong button there? I'm dumb. That's the <laughs> one I want. Uh, four drop 6k ice forward if you control a card name remedy Sid gains 2000 power opposing forwards entering the field will not trigger any auto abilities this applies to their own abilities and abilities triggered by your opponent's forwards entering their field so your forward that says when enters the field do x if Sid's on the board no you uh, on your opponent's board you don't get to do x and if you have a forward on the board that says when you play a forward, when a forward enters your field, do X. If Sid is on your opponent's board, you don't get to do X then either. <laughs> Sid Rendell is not one of the cards that I will probably play with a lot. Again, just because it happens to be an ice and I don't generally play a whole lot of ice. But, 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 Sid is probably one of my top five favorite cards in Opus 13 because of what I think it does for the game. I think, you know, I mean, just look at the background that I have and all that shit, right? I love Final Fantasy TCG. <laughs> I think the game has suffered for the last multiple Opus sets for cards being judged on their immediate impact to the board. And if it doesn't immediately do something to the board, the second you play it, it's automatically a tier B card. I don't like that design space or that mentality. Uh, we talked about Soryu, Dragon Soryu earlier. 5K9 mm -hmm. drop forward in ice that has a cool ability that's going to net you value, but it doesn't that first turn you play it, unless you give it haste, but that's usually not happening. Mm -hmm. um, I like Amaterasu canceling auto abilities and nuking a forward with 8k last set i really like sid in this set because i think it starts to 
show me that even Hobby Japan and Square Enix are kind of like, the board's a little heavy with, if it doesn't have an enter the field effect, people aren't playing it. So let's kind of start countering that a little here and there. I will say this, just like when Amaterasu came out, uh, it is one of those things that you, you have to play against six or seven times before your brain even realizes what's going on with the card. I was playing Schnell the other day, and there were three times uh, in like three different games where I'm like, all right, I'm going to get rid of him this way. And Nick's like, God damn it, Mike, you're smarter than this. That doesn't work. You just played a forward. It doesn't get that ability. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, <laughs> it, it's mind warping because we don't have effects that do that. Uh, if you see a Yishtola on the board, okay, you know that your enter effect could get canceled. We don't have anything that does what Sid does. And so it does take a while playing against it to get used to the fact of some of your stuff is shut off. And it was annoying in the games against Nick because I, I think playing Nick, I think, was the first time I, I had ever played against it, actually. Uh, and it was annoying. But I thank Nick for those games because I'm like, you know what, now that has beat into my head this whole new field effect, basically, that has not existed before. Uh, and I like what that does for the design space. So honorable mention from me. Thoughts on this card from either of you? I think you hit it. I think it's pretty cool. Um, like it definitely does something different. Uh, it doesn't seem as powerful as a Matarasu, at least to me just yet, but it definitely like sets the tone for maybe more stuff like this. And it really yeah. like does make you think about what you're doing. Yep. Schnell like, points out to, that like, remember. protects him too. So yeah. True. That actually is kind of important if you're running like, yeah, ice wind or something. Yup, yup, yup. Could be Tark. some good combos. Could be some good combos with him. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Strong. Uh, next Strong honorable level. mention here uh, goes from Sid to da, da, da. Seven Drop Lightning. Seven Drop Lightning. This is very, very cool. Very, very cool. Definitely deserves an honorable mention, even though it is not a legend in this set. 7-drop 9k power when lightning enters the field. Choose up to two forwards, opponent controls, or forwards in your break zone. Notice the word or, people. That means you could do one of one, one, of one and one of the other if you wanted to. Um, remove them from the game. When lightning leaves the field, return each card removed by lightning's ability to its owner's hands. So a nice way to get two forwards off of your opponent's board real quick. Or a nice way to set aside some cards from your break zone that you can recover later, particularly maybe if you're worried about your break zone getting misdragoned at some point. Uh, and having a bunch of cards removed from game is a nice way to get a 9K body and protect those cards and, and get them back later. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to go too far with this because I want your thoughts first. So let's go with, with you, Tark. She's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she is. She costs a lot. You know what? She doesn't have time for your shit. Okay. She's smart. <laughs> she is tough. She is She's a, a strong badass. She yep. don't need you calling her pretty. Okay. I apologize. She's coming in and removing two forwards. She didn't do her hair today for you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. 
No, she's uh, pretty good, and uh, I know you love her because she's lightning, so not just the name. Yeah, not the name. I actually can't stand Final Fantasy Thirteen as a game in general. It's okay, but lightning Um, element is what you meant. Yeah. Yes, I yes I get it. Um, Yeah, that's just strong, strong. Adam. Yeah, uh, there's a magic card I think that does exactly this. Um, So when I saw this for the first time, I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good because that magic card is also good. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of times she probably just wins you the game on the spot, I think. But uh, I mean, sometimes she just like prolongs the game. She does a lot. She's very versatile. I mean, yeah, the fact that she costs seven for what she does, and and she's a forward, so if she dies, you can theoretically play another one. Like unlike Shantoto, where it's a little bit trickier to play multiple Shantotos, right? Like yeah. a lot of times, what your Shantoto is gonna hit like three forwards against like a good player, maybe, maybe three. Um, and she's always hitting two, which is pretty good. And she's putting a nine K on the field. So yep, it's really and, good. And it's important that it says up to two. So yep. yeah, if you got in a pinch, you could make that one selection. Uh, if for some reason yeah. you want, or even the zero. I mean, I don't, I don't think you'd be spending seven at that point. But in a pinch, it's still playable for some type of minimal effect, even if it's just one forward. You got to get out of the way. Um, I also want to point out, by the way, that for those of you and that have maybe played before and dealt with cards like Dorgan that remove forwards from the game until they leave the game, Lightning is worded slightly differently from Dorgan. Better, slightly better. Yeah, better. You can <laughs> yeah. you can get very creative with this Lightning. If you play this Lightning and target two of Adam's forwards with it, and on the stack remove this lightning their two forwards ain't coming back um so you can play this althea her back to your hand in response to her own enter the field effect she'll bounce to your hand althea resolves then lightning's ability resolves to remove two forwards and lightning is not on the board to leave the field for that other effect. Oh. That's different than Dorgan, where Dorgan actually puts, imagine Dorgan is putting text on the other cards that have them searching for Dorgan on the field. Uh, oh. This does not put that text on those cards. So yeah, you could Althea her back. You, there's all kinds of different things you can do on the stack to get rid of this lightning and just essentially remove two things from from the game permanently uh, if you want to get creative. Might take a little extra CP here or there or bouncing a couple things back to your hand, but just an important call out on this one. So get creative in your your thinking. That's why wording is important. Wording is important. Aldore Emperor, our third of four honorable mentions, a five-drop excuse me, a 5-drop 9k lightning fire forward. When Aldori Emperor enters the field, select one of the following three. If you have five points of damage or more, select two of the following three. Choose a forward, deal at 7k damage. Choose a forward of cost three or less, break it. Hi, Sophie. Choose one active forward, (laughs) deal at 8k damage. So... Pretty much, I mean, could you can you think of a card in this set that like better fits the multi elements it was assigned to? <laughs> like, no. Reading those so. abilities, you're like, yeah, those are lightning and fire abilities, Tark. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta read that wall of text. Wow, um, it seems like a lot. 
it's it's basically kill kill two dudes if you're at five damage. It's pretty much what it says. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Two for one and or two for zero. And by the way, you put a nine K body on the table. Uh, this is seeing yeah. a surprising to me amount of play. Like I thought this was good, but this has actually caused a lot of people that historically I know don't really run fire or lightning to run fire and lightning. Uh, so I think it's picking up a little bit of a little bit of flavor, and it's brave exvius. So you know we have searchers for it, and and other mm-hmm. brave exvius FFB interaction cards with it as well. Adam's already got a smirk on his face over that. You just run this in X star. That's really all you got to do, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I mean, you could go deeper down the rabbit hole, but like really, once you do those two, that's pretty much all you need. Uh, this is right up your play style, uh, Tarkoth. Right. Okay. When you're not playing wind, uh, shikari, neo eggs death nonsense, <laughs> and you're actually looking for a deck that plays like you like, uh, this, okay. this is a card you want to look at, my friend. You definitely want to look at. Last one was actually a starter, so we've actually had this one uh, a little longer than the last week because the starters did come out on time. Uh, it was the booster boxes that were not uh, sent out on time. So this is Philia, Fire Starter, 8-drop 10k, 8-drop 10k. When Philia is dealt damage by an ability, the damage becomes zero instead. And when Philia enters the field, deal 10k damage to all the forwards. Philia deals you one point of damage. So for 8 CP, Adam, you're getting a double-sided board clear in 99% of circumstances, taking one point of damage on your own. But uh, then you got a 10K body and your opponent's got nothing because Philia's first line of text cancels out the second line of text against Philia itself. Uh, yeah, and, and I think with this set, not just Philia kind of made this happen, but uh, the old choo-choo lane, not the original one, but the second one has seen a lot of play. <laughs> Because just like blanking cards like this, you can blank it and make it where they don't get to keep their 10k or just all the other cards with walls of text that are really good. Um, turns out the more text you put on cards, the better it is to blank them. So, uh, pretty good. Somebody's going to kill your seven drop lightning, one drop cuculain <laughs> that lightning. Yeah, true. Yeah. Remove Take that from, ability away. And those forwards yep. don't come back either. Or yep. cuculain yep. lets you draw a card. Did you get the dice? Yeah, you get a nice card draw. Yeah, yeah. get a nice card draw. Uh, Tark, <laughs> you actually really like this card. Uh, no, you, you played it against me. No, it was the other way around. Oh, that's right. We were playing the starter decks against yeah. each other when we were teaching you how to play. That's right. Uh, to be fair, chat, I was I didn't sandbag him. I gave him the choice of the starter decks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate Oracle of Light, though. That that combo was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. It did. Did fare well. Uh, there are, of course, many other cards in the set. Uh, so I encourage you to check it out. As always, we also got word this week of about the set after, after Opus 14. After Opus 14. I can't say Opus 15 uh, because nope. that's not... We're done. After Opus 14 mm-hmm. in uh, on August 6th, we are done with calling them Opus and numbered sets. They will just go by their subtitles. This will be Crystal Dominion and will primarily have one of its marquee games featured as Final Fantasy XV. Noctis and and friends are going to be all over the place in there, and we'll be getting a new keyword, I guess, called uh, Crystals. So, yeah, they don't give a lot of information, 
on crystals. I, but I think I, I, upon further reflection, I think I actually have a different <laughs> thought than what I put in the show notes here. I, I think I know what it is too, but good. So the way they describe crystals is that uh, character, a portion of the character abilities and summons will now appear with a new cost to be paid called crystals. Why they chose fucking crystals when the game requires crystal points for you to cast cards. I love teaching <clears throat> new players how to play this game. Um, <laughs> called yeah. crystals, not the usual crystal points. Use abilities and more to gain crystals and experience the latest strategy. Dice or counters can be used to keep track of the number of crystals, but Crystal Dominion includes two kinds of premium version crystal cards, and these can also be used during games. Initially, I was kind of like, well, how does that differ from counters in, that we already use? But then I kind of thought, oh, wait a minute. This sounds a lot more like energy in uh, yep. Magic the Gathering, yep. where it's yeah. Mike gains this resource. And, mm -hmm. and my own, and not a specific card like counters gain the resource. So probably a lot like that. We'll know more soon. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. Let's head over and do love it or leave it, and then call it a show. A two-hour show. Jesus. <laughs> Mary and Joseph, Chad. I hope you enjoyed this. It'll be. Uh, it'll get like eight YouTube video or YouTube hits <laughs> now, and I'll be like, well, that was that was definitely worth the two hours. Right, we're going to change it up a little bit since we did the Opus uh, 13 review here. Instead of just a clear-cut love it or leave it Opus 13, I mean, I think all of us would just pick love it. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, you got to pick your favorite card, any rarity in Opus 13 as of this moment right now with the acknowledgement that maybe it'll change a couple decks from now and a couple games from now. That's fine. What's your favorite card right now? You love that one and you leave the rest. Which one are you keeping, Adam? I'm only going to let you keep one card out of the set. So um, I'm going to go a little weird because I, I said earlier I probably wouldn't play the deck, but uh, I really like that there's a playable Rubicante now. Uh, I like the Fiends, mm. too. I just wish that the deck met like more of my play style, but I like that he's like actually playable. His art's really cool, and I'm a big fan of Fire, so, so Rubicante is my favorite, I think, in the set right now. Tarkoth. I'm going to go with the Oracle of Light because that combo was just amazing. Uh, you can't use it if I'm, she's the only 13 card I'm picking, but she was amazing. You know, sacked her, got your Stola. Your Stola brought back Uriange. Uriange, I'm going to search for a card. And that was, it wasn't even on my turn. <laughs> Pretty beefy. Pretty beefy. I got to go with, come on, come on. I got to go with seven drop lightning. I got to go with seven drop lightning. It's in color. It's got an awesome effect. It's useful in mono lightning, which isn't useful by itself anymore, but it's it would be useful in mono lightning. It's useful. Anything that's running lightning, there is at least one spot for this card. It is that useful to me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Chanel, oh my god, okay, Chanel, I will say it, hold on. Chanel would like you all to know, six drop rain, mm -hmm. fire forward, 7k. I used to, I always put it on the list when you uh, sent me earlier, but I did it. The cost required to cast rain is reduced by one for each fire backup you control. When rain enters the field or attacks, choose one forward opponent controls, deal at 1k damage for each backup you control, and at damage three, rain gains haste. Chanel would really like you all to know about Rain. It is a good card. It is a good hero card. It's good. If yeah. you're particular, I mean, you're running mono fire. That's a 
beast of a card. A beast of a card. And makes the the light rain even scarier in a mono fire deck <laughs> with all those specials that that gives you access to. Good grief. Good grief. All right, hope you enjoyed the show. Those in chat, don't go anywhere right after the show. We are going live with the patient one herself, Miss Faye Death. How are you, Faye? Oh, hey, I'm well. How about y'all? You're all dolled up. What are you playing today? Yes. You got uh, your makeup on. You're like, you do. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see you. You're a little dark there, it but is. I'm not like bit. complimenting you. probably your, just lighting before this. Yeah, you're like all pale and gothed face. out. What's going yes. on? Yes. What? We are dragging up another installment of Tales from the Backlog with a game that I bought myself for Christmas like three years ago, just installed this year, and still haven't played. Diablo 3, The Eternal Collection. Ah. Interesting. Getting ready for Diablo 4, huh? Getting ready. Yes. Can't wait. So we'll Faye... We'll disappoint. Yeah, probably. You know, we, we can enjoy this. <laughs> it it won't... It won't you know, time. you won't be able to boot it up for the first three days. It's okay. Uh, it's it, it's it, fine. Exactly. I'm sure they'll we figure it out. We have time. Yeah. Uh, Fade Death will be coming live right after this. We'll go dark for about 20 seconds or so to change the titles around. Chat, make sure you hang out. Faye, you have a great stream. We'll be back, of course, next Thursday with another Relic Grind. But remember, we also have podcasts on Tuesday and Saturday, both at 7 p.m. Eastern as well. Tuesday is Snowbound, the Blizzard podcast, and Saturday uh, is Gaming Gumbo, the general gaming show. And, of course, our lovely team of volunteer streamers having a wonderful time hanging out with all of you. Hope you can make it. Consider giving a follow. We would appreciate it uh, and get notifications on when we go live. And, of course, check out readycheckradio.com, R-A-I-D-E-O.com. You'll have all the latest episodes and all the socials there so you can follow and support and send all of your friends. Until next week, Kronos, where can everybody find you, my friend? Uh, yeah, same as always, just Twitter, chilling out there. Pretty much it. <laughs> Tarkov. I find me at Twitch and Twitter at Tarkov Gaming, eating my uh, butterfingers. God, it's like the most uncomfortable thing watching you eat those. <laughs> so He's uncomfortable. To his product placement. It's because they're terrible. I'm Mike Burns. You can follow me right there on Twitter at MagicMan1, but more importantly, follow at RC Radio, R A I D E O, and we'll tweet you every time we go live so you'll never miss a thing. Thanks for hanging out on a long episode. Stay safe. We'll see you on the servers. Later. Later.